Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Michelle is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. And getting ready for another week, Michelle, of late hockey. Yeah, 8.30 puck drops. 8.30 puck drop tomorrow and Thursday. While you were sleeping, the Blues did release the schedule. So 8.30 and Thursday. And then on the weekend, you get a chance to get to bed early. A 7 o'clock start here at Enterprise Center. When I saw that, I go, NHL, you've got to be kidding me. The one 7 o'clock start we're going to get is on a weekend a weekend night on a Saturday. The one time we don't mind staying up late and we can properly plan for it because we don't have work, you're going to give us a 7 o'clock puck drop. But you know what, Randy? I'm not going to complain because we have the Blues entering the second round for yep. the first time since 2019. I'll stay up late. I'll suffer through it because we've got Blues playoff hockey here on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that. And we'll have the pregame for you tomorrow night at 730 here on 101 ESPN. By the way, we're going to have a lot of hockey for you this morning. Chris Kerber joins us at 8.15. David Perron in the playoffs at 8.45. That's a hat trick for him tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> the character and Smallman bump. It's undefeated. Betcha. Danny Mack at 9.15. We're also going to talk to Ron Jacober. He has a new book about the 1964 Cardinals out, and he'll join us at 9.30. So a busy morning here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN on the heels of a Cardinal romp 15-6 to over the San Francisco Giants. A lot of fun things happened last night. A lot of good things happened. However, you like to have your pitching debuts go a little bit better than Albert Pujols win. He didn't give up the lead or he no. didn't give up the win. And how fun was that to see number five out on the mound? It was incredible. If you didn't see it late, he pitched the ninth inning. He allowed four runs. He did allow a couple of home runs. His earned run average is at 36. And he did get a 64-mile-an-hour pitch in there. And he got it down to, like, 44. Some of those little EFAS pitches at the bottom of the zone. But uh, he gave the Giants a wide disparity of uh, velocity with which to work. You know, I'm sitting there watching the game, and all of a sudden I look up, and I'm like, wait, what? I, I know I don't get a lot of sleep. Is that Albert <laughs> Pools going out to the mound? I had to double-take. It was phenomenal. It was so fun. This is why we love sports, because you never yep. know what's going to happen. Not only are the Cardinals going to put up a football score, but you're going to see one of the all-time great baseball players make his pitching debut. It was unbelievable. And yeah, the Velo wasn't there, Randy, but he did have some movement. Oh, he sure did. Yeah, he could... It- if he polishes things up, there's no doubt that he could be effective. Yeah, he's got some tools in the toolbox for sure. He does. The Cardinals got off to a good start last night, too. That's something that they like doing, and it benefits them. They're the best first-inning team in baseball, and they reinforced that last night with Paul Goldschmidt at the plate. That ball is hammered to left, and Goldie continues to haunt the Giants. Over to the third deck, just above Big Mackland. Goldie's fourth of the year, and the Cardinals rip Radon early. 
is now two to nothing. But they weren't done after Nolan Arenado flied out. Juan Yepes singled, Albert doubled, and brought Yachty to the plate. Now Radon, Molina, center fielder, jumping on the first pitch. They're going to wave Albert. Here he comes. Here's the throw. Albert is safe to second. Yachty, out at second base. But he knocked in two, and the Cardinals are up four to nothing. And Michelle, we know how much Albert Pools loves the spotlight. He came up with a chance to get another run on the board for the Cardinals in the third. Albert is renting a place while Ollie's occupying Pujols' home. A single, that brings in a run, throw to third. Yepes is out there, but Albert Pujols drives in Paul Goldschmidt to make it five to nothing. He's just quietly effective all the time. He, especially against left-handed pitching, just kills them, but he... He seems to be in the middle of the action whenever the Cardinals have him in the lineup. Absolutely. We thought that it might be a conversation point all season on if this was a nostalgia play, on if this mm-hmm. was a play to put butts in seats. But Albert Pujols has quieted that and quieted that chatter early because he has been really effective. And so many of the veterans last night, Randy, were stepping up and making things happen, happen for the Cardinals. And one of those veterans in the fifth inning with the score 9 to nothing was Yachty. Yachty left field. Good for the Cardinals are carrying them. 11-0 on Yachty's second of the year. So we get to the ninth inning, and it's 15-2 Cardinals, and they decide in the dugout, hey, Albert wants to pitch. We've got a big lead. Let's let him do it. Albert's first out recorded by Harrison. You have to do. 54 instead of 64. There it is. Funny. Better now. He's settling in. <laughs> now it's got some drop. It's got gravity. Start. Here we go. Double play ball will end it. They'll flip. They'll throw. Safe. Alba was ready. Oh, good one there. On the corner at 60. An Albert Pujol strikeout. Lamont Wade. No, this could do it. Albert's got his hand up. There you go. The ERA may be 54, but no one's going to forget what we And Michelle, the Cardinals are known as such a buttoned up, serious organization. It was good to see guys laughing last night. And you should be laughing when you're 15 to 2. But it does seem another thing that's happened with the re-arrival of Albert Pools is that things have loosened up a little bit. Absolutely. We asked Adam Wainwright about this a couple weeks ago, how much fun he's having this season because it feels like at almost any moment, if you get a glimpse into the dugout, there's Albert and Yachty and Wayno and those three are chopping it up. They're Mm -hmm. laughing. And you can see all the other players, just the energy that they're feeding off of from those three guys. Even Evan Longoria is asking for the ball last night after he gets a hit off Albert Pujols. This is sports. This is entertainment. And that was entertaining last night. That was something that none of us are ever going to forget. And when the opposition is into it, when they know, Mm -hmm. know, hey, this is a historic moment that we're getting to see right now. We've already lost the game. I'm going to really enjoy this, too. To have somebody like Longoria want the ball, I just think that shows you how fun it was. Another little bit of history. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina get win number 203 as a battery. That is number one all time for Wayno and Yadi. Uh, we totally forgot about it. Um, 
Ollie was coming up the stairs and he said, oh, yeah, that's right. Turned around, <laughs> like, hey, that's kind of cool. And he was like, hey, that's pretty cool. But the team put us in the basket and I just got a shower. But I was covered in cherry Coke and almond milk. So what does it mean to Adam Wainwright to have that record with Yachty? Well, he's a special guy, special friend, teammate. You know, we've been together a long time. But um, what what he said in, when we were in the shower about to get all kinds of fluids poured onto us, almond milk and Fanta, cherry Coke and the like, um, what he said was to the guys was, hey, this, this doesn't happen without great teammates like y'all. So, And, and that's, that's kind of how we feel, you know. I mean, just, uh, this is a... A blessing that I get to do this with him for as long as we have, but also understand we've been a part of a lot of really good teams, a lot of really good teammates that help make that happen. So, Michelle, think about this. A shower of almond mm-hmm. milk, Fanta, and cherry Coke all combined. I'm wondering, I can't wait to talk to Adam this week, because I'm wondering how almond milk got brought into the mix. Yeah, I too. can see the sodas, because they're they're there. Accessible. This is, yes, it's kind of like Gatorade. Whose idea was it to get almond milk <laughs> in the mix? And if it's Adam Wainwright, he should have had some Sunjoy from Chick-fil-A. This That's is his true. favorite. If he's going to celebrate, you need to have his favorite beverage there. But... Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are exactly right. It doesn't happen without great teammates, but they need to take all the credit in the world for this mm-hmm. because of their skill and their and their longevity in this game. Randy, I don't think this is ever going to be touched. No. I think this is one of two records that these two are going to have as far as an all-time battery is concerned, and I don't think we are ever going to see this broken, so it's really cool to witness history. And Adam has probably missed 70 to 80 starts because of injury during his career. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably another 25 wins that have been left on the table. For his part, Yadi really enjoyed the moment of getting win number 203. It's such an honor to be part of this record. Um, winning record. It's everything for us about winning and and to have that is just, just a great. It's just a, such an honor for me. I was thinking this weekend, Michelle, about these guys, and obviously Adam missed time because of COVID. Yadi's had a lot of time off, although it looks like the offense is coming around. The and I don't know if there is a method to the Cardinals' madness in terms of resting these guys. We know what Albert's role is. But I'm intrigued to see what these guys are like in August and September. Because so, they know how to win in August and September. We know that. That's what I was just going to say is I'm actually less concerned about them from a rest standpoint because they have that clutch gene that you just can't really quantify. How many times in, in August and September and October have we seen Yadier Molina step up when he's mm-hmm. called upon? Do you have any doubt, Randy, that if the Cardinals get to the postseason that we're going to see some big Albert Pujols moment? I don't have any doubt at all. I don't either. But I do think that they'll... And it's an old Tony LaRusso philosophy. If you win a game where you don't play people in April and May, so it's like a doubleheader win. In August and September, you'll have more refreshed players. Hopefully, the Cardinals will have that. Now, one thing they'll have, hopefully they'll have a lot of wins, and they won't have to pitch Albert a lot, but hopefully they'll have a refreshed Albert Pujols on the mound. How do you feel about pitching that night? (laughs) They needed somebody, you know, a volunteer to get out there and... uh... I think they were looking for and I was like, hey, I'll go out there. And they're like, you sure? I was like, why not? So this is always like a dream, true, <laughs> dream come true for me. You know, it was uh, it was fun to be out there. And definitely it's not easy, you know, uh, being in uh, first base, you know, third base early in my career. Now getting on the mound out there. I mean, you need to give credit a lot of these guys sometimes. It's not easy to throw a strike out there. And I was just trying to just throw the ball down the middle, you know. I have to believe he's having more fun playing than he's ever had. Probably. I mean, he probably never thought that this was going to happen, no. that he he probably wished for it and never thought that he was going to not only get to come back to St. Louis, but to play with two of his 
best friends and mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina to get to play with guys like Nolan Arenado. You can see him instructing a lot of these young players. He just seems to have an ease about him, a contentment about mm-hmm. him that we never really saw with him before because he's such a fierce competitor right. and was always so locked into what he was doing. He knows that the end is near and I can really see him savoring every moment that he has back with the Cardinals. It's really special to see. So an action-packed night at the ballpark. The Cardinals still two and a half behind Milwaukee. They play the Mets tonight in New York, so it was a late arrival into New York early this morning for the Cardinals. NHL last night, another late one, overtime. Flames win it in OT over the Stars. The final there was 3-2. Johnny Goodrow scoring the winning goal in OT for Calgary. And the Rangers got a goal from Artemi Panarin in overtime, and they beat the Penguins 4-3, and they advance in the Eastern Conference. In the NBA playoffs, another big day for Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA. Tatum drives down and throws it down! Wow! And he reps his city. Who do you got in the Super Bowl tonight? Oh, the St. Louis Rams. Oh, he can't let it go. The St. Louis Rams. It's time for the Jason Tatum Minute on Carriker and Smallman. Tatum gets a good look. Great defense coming up with the steal. Tatum. Touchdown down a three. Otenokumbo right in his face. Tatum finds some room. Tatum from downtown. He's three for three from long distance. He hit seven the other night. It's just a matter of does he make or miss. Tatum, another three. He's four for four from downtown. Celtics regain the lead. Michelle, on Friday night, it was 46 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists with this team down 3-2, forcing a game 7. Then yesterday, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 of 14, including 5 of 9 from 3-point land. And the Celtics blew out the Bucks 109-81 and advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. And Mike Green had a great stat at the end of yesterday's game, the 37th Eastern Conference Finals for the Celtics. They've played in literally half of the Eastern Conference Finals in the history of the Eastern Conference. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Not surprised, though, to see Jason Tatum and the Celtics get it done. Think about this. Jason Tatum, he handles KD. He handles Giannis. He's on his way to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that this is going to be the year he's an NBA champion. He's playing like an absolute superstar, Randy. And for those of you in St. Louis who say, oh, I don't like the NBA, I don't care about the NBA, you need to care about Jason Tatum. This is one of the all-time great athletes in sports, period. And he's one of our own and rep St. Louis at every possible opportunity. It is so great to see him turn from a star into an absolute unquestioned superstar and one of the mm-hmm. faces of the league. And we we love those matchups and look forward to them, and they were great, and Tatum did prevail now he gets Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. and that'll be one of the great matchups that the NBA has to offer, those two players going head-to-head in the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, we're off and running. Carriker and Smallman, 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I put head. What? Start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. And Michelle, Cardinals Sunday Night Baseball, start one, bench one, cut one edition. 
Okay, Albert pitching. Okay. Wayne Wright and Yachty's record, or Yachty getting his offense going. Okay. I am going to start Wayno and Yachty breaking the the record okay. because that is incredible, and we will never see that again. If we do, I will be absolutely floored. I probably won't be alive for it if we see it again. But I just think the sustained success of these two is absolutely remarkable, and to have it denoted in the record books is important. So I'm going to start that, plus Adam Wainwright's our guy, so mm-hmm. obviously I'm going to give him the start. I'm going to bench Albert pitching because that was just so fun. That was great. That was one of the most fun things I've seen in a long time. Um, <laughs> oh, man, we're never going to forget that. Albert Pujols getting out there on the mound. And then I'm going to cut Yachty getting his offense going, even though that was a great component of the game last night as well. I just think comparatively to those other two, that's something we've seen before, so that's going to get the cut from me. I'm with you, and I only have moderate expectations for Yachty's offense anyway. So last night was a nice bonus, but they did win 15-6. to six. So yeah, I'm going with uh, Wayno and Yachty, and I'm with you. Something we will never, I certainly, you might see it again. I'm not going to see it again. I don't think I will. And then Albert pitching was probably something else we'll never see again. Were you laughing at home like I was? I was. It was funny. It was so it was great. Fun. And he was so great about Just it. Just seeing him laugh, I thought was so cool too. Um, I thought I tweeted this last night, Randy, but from top to bottom, that was one of the most entertaining Cardinals games I've seen in some time. Whether it was, great. Whether it was the offense getting going, the the record from Wayno and Yachty Albert pitching. I thought Harrison Bader was outstanding when he was on mm-hmm. the mic during the broadcast. A great feature on Nolan Arenado. Uh, we Paul Goldschmidt was all over the place doing it at the plate and making the over the shoulder catch last night. It was just a lot of, of fun little moments in that game. It was very entertaining. Okay, uh, Randy and Matt, I want you on this one too. Start one, bench one, cut one. NBA stars that are out of the playoffs edition. Mm. Now there's four guys that I could go pull from, but I'm only going to do these three. Giannis, Ja, Devin Booker. Wow. And the fourth one would have been Paul, right? No, the fourth wow. one would have been Embiid for me. Oh, yeah, right. Probably, well, second in the MVP. I was just thinking from an age standpoint, too. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And from Jok- a stage in their career standpoint. You didn't include the guys who finished one and two in the MVP vote. Which is Jokic incredible. and Embiid aren't in there. That's I, incredible. I was thinking about Jokic, <laughs> too. Yeah. NBA's in good hands. That's what they, that tells they, you. They, they NBA's in good hands. I was thinking okay. CP3. I was thinking Jokic, but I just thought that these would be harder to discern. It, it's hard, yes. Yeah. Um, you know what? I am going to. This is really. I know. And you can make the argument one, two, three, either way. I'm going to cut Booker. I am going to bench Ja. And I am going to start Giannis. Giannis can take over a game, and obviously he can take over NBA Finals. He's won. Ja certainly has that ability, but he doesn't have the size that Giannis has. So uh, that's why I'm going to bench him. And. Booker, he's really, really good, but he's also kind of a one-trick pony, and that that trick wasn't in play last night, and that's one of the reasons they got blowed out. Yeah. I have him in the exact same order. Giannis, because he's arguably one of the best players in the game, and is a champion. Mm-hmm. I'm benching Ja because I think he's going to get there and I'm cutting Booker. And I, I consider putting KD in here too, but again, I kind of put him yeah. in the same category as CP3 as far as length of career. I thought we'd do like more younger NBA superstars, but these guys are all fun to watch, that's yeah, for sure. Definitely.
Yeah, Booker not playing well in the playoffs has really taken the shine off. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with you guys. I mean, it's start Giannis. You, you know what he can do. You know, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year. Yep. He's already a Hall of Famer, and he's not even 30 yet. Uh, and then you have Ja. He's just – he's so explosive. You know, he ha- he carries the ball down every time. He's a good passer. He's a good finisher. Booker just – God, this playoffs, he, he didn't finish or, you know, he didn't carry – you know, hold the ball and, you know, initiate the offense the way I thought he was going to be able to in the playoffs, and that was bad. Booker should be a poor man's Kobe. And it yeah. hasn't happened yet. He should be able to carry the ball up and initiate the offense and, and right. control it when he wants to and get his shot whenever he wants to. He did it all regular season, and he should have been able to do it in the playoffs, and he didn't. Yep. All right, your tech 65780. Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Got a little food edition right off the bat. Okay. All right, Raising Canes, Ooh. Chick-fil-A, Ooh. Popeyes. Oh. See, I this like is, them all. This is so this, this is this is, is about this is this, this is about what, you know, Popeyes, you got maybe the fish in there. Clearly, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A for me. Lemonade. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chick-fil-A is obviously yeah. getting the start. So, by the way, delicious lunch today over at the De Pere. Uh, any Chick-fil-A you go to, but we, I have friends at the De Pere one that are just fantastic. They're the people. best. You'll love them. They're the best yeah. there. Uh, Michelle, I'm going to go Popeyes oh. to bench, and I'm cutting Raising Cane's. Whoa. And it's not that I don't like Raising Cane's, because I do, but... I prefer some, somewhat of a variety. And Raising Cane's, you get the chicken tenders, which are absolutely delicious. Great sauces, too. Yeah, they are. But at Popeye's, you can get the, the fried chicken, and you can get the chicken sandwich, and you can get the tenders. So it's more based on variety. Okay, I'm starting Chick-fil-A because only one of these three establishments sponsors our Wednesday segment with mm-hmm, Adam Wainwright. True. And only one of three these three establishments has a Sunjoy. So Chick-fil-A, easy and by the way, for me. It would probably be illegal for any of the other ones to, to give away Chick-fil-A sauce. Correct. So Chick-fil-A, easy start. I am going to bench Raising Cane's and cut Popeye's. And hear me out, guys. Hear me out. I had the Popeye sandwich. I had it at an airport once. It is as good as everyone says. It's an unbelievable chicken sandwich. But I had Raising Cane's once in Baton Rouge after an LSU game, and mm-hmm. it just hit different. It's one of those meals I'll never forget. I'm like, you're also going to give me a side of toast mm-hmm. in addition mm-hmm. to the chicken fingers and the variety of sauces? I It was just, it was great. And I really love not only the cane sauce, but their honey mustard there is That's delicious, very yeah. good. The breading on those tenders is just magnificent. So I'm starting Chick-fil-A. I'm benching canes. I'm cutting Popeyes, even though I do love the Popeye spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, I'm not cutting anybody. Like I said, if I want to, if I want some popcorn shrimp or you know some, uh, some fried mm-hmm. f- uh, fish, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to a Popeyes. If I want the tenders, I'm going to Raising Canes. If I want a sandwich, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. Good it's conversation at 7:27 a.m. Exactly. That's let's right, let's get hungry. Oh, and by the way. The Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwiches and breakfast selection. No chicken minis, mm. man. Throw mm. some honey on that bad boy. Oh, oh they, yeah. yeah they also have great yogurt at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. 636, start one, bench one, cut one, St. Louis's own. Max Scherzer, Matthew Kachuk, Jason Tatum. Ooh. That's a good one. So, Max Scherzer is already a world champion and already a Hall of Famer. So, I am going to go with him. Jason Tatum has been a playoff success, although he hasn't won a championship yet, but has established himself, I think, around the sport as, at worst, a top 10 player in the league, if not a top five player in the league. And Matthew Kachuk is still only 23 years old. He still hasn't had the time to accomplish what the other two have had. So, and, and by the way, Matthew, once he becomes a blue, he'll top this list, right? But I'm going to go, I'm going to start Scherzer. I am going to bench 
Tatum, and I'm going to cut Matthew. I'm cutting Max Scherzer because mm. he's defeated a St. Louis team in the in the postseason. Mm. He's actually caused us pain. He so, has. So even though he's a champion and out of all of these three local guys, the most accomplished currently, I'm cutting him because he's caused us pain. 2019, we don't forget. I'm By gonna, the way, they love the fact in New York that he's crazy. Of course they do. Yeah. Are you kidding? Of course they they love that he has two different colored eyes and that mm-hmm. he's a couple sandwiches short of a picnic when it comes yeah. to competition. They love that in New York. They love that. Did you see the first pitch thing over the weekend? No. They, they, the guy who was trying to do the ceremonial first pitch got out there a couple minutes late. Scherzer's out there doing his warm-up, and he tries to walk out there to do the first pitch, and Scherzer just keeps going through his warm-up, and eventually they just pull the guy off the field. That's we perfect. also love a crazy competitive guy we here, do. so I can understand mm-hmm. why they love that. But, but Max Scherzer, you're the most accomplished. Love you. Wish you would have been a Cardinal, but you heard us, so you're getting the cut from me. I'm going to bench Jason Tatum because he reps St. Louis at every possible turn, mm-hmm. whether it's his Beats by Dre commercials, the shoes that he puts out, and his interviews. This is a bona fide superstar that loves St. Louis. He's going to be a champion, mm-hmm. so I'm going to bench Jason Tatum. And only one of these, these three guys is going to win a championship for St. Louis, that's and that's true. Matthew Kachuk. He's going to hoist the Stanley Cup wearing the note on his sweater. Therefore, he's getting the start for me. Can't wait to see that, Matthew. Fair enough. 618, start one, bench one, cut one. Memorial Day weekend, 4th of July weekend, Labor Day weekend. Uh, I, Michelle, am going to do them in well no i'm going to start memorial day weekend i am going to bench i'm going to bench fourth of july and i'm going to cut labor day weekend labor day weekend kind of signifies the end of summer uh and and by the way it does also signify like the greatest the the dawning of the greatest time of year yes right weather wise and and things like that but i i love the fact that memorial day kind of starts summer fourth of july is it's a four, it's Independence Day. It's, yeah. That's the best barbecue day of the year. And then uh, Labor Day, well, I do enjoy it immensely, is going to have to be cut here. I'm starting 4th of July. As you mentioned, best, best menu by far mm-hmm. on all three of these days. I'm going to bench Labor Day because I prefer the weather heading into the fall. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to cut Memorial Day. I feel like Memorial Day weekend is kind of the first weekend where everyone, sometimes it sneaks up on you. It does. And people are like, oh man, it's Memorial Day weekend. I didn't make any plans. I should have gone to the lake or something, but it kind of snuck up on me. If I'm not mistaken, you don't Memorial do that with Day Fourth might of be July or Labor yeah, Day. two weeks from today. So I think so. You yeah. talk about sneaking, no doubt about it. <laughs> Cardinals position players pitching. Albert Pujols, Matt Adams, Yadier Molina. <laughs> well, you got to start Albert, right? Clearly. Uh, I think that I would uh, cut, I, I would bench Yachty and cut Matt Adams. That's same order for yeah, me. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That is Matthew Rocchio. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We are going to provide you with three things we loved about the weekend, starting with number one. 
Number one. I thought we were going three, two, well, one. Why do we go three, two, one? Yeah, that's we'll what I thought that. we were doing here. Three, two, one, right? Yeah. So we're yeah, we need it's some a build up. Yeah. Number three. There okay, we there go. we go. Number three. Randy, a little bit of non-sports for me to kick things off for number three. It is the very last week for our friend Lux over at 1057 The Point. She's mm-hmm. been behind the mic for fifth years and today is the start of her very last week over at 1057 The Point. We went out uh, this weekend to celebrate her. We dressed up as different versions of Lux throughout the years. Learned from Casey, myself and our friend Sarah and I just think about being in this crazy industry for 15 years, being the only female to do it down at 1057 mm-hmm. The Point for that long. Point Fest is going to be her final big hurrah this Saturday so um, everybody if you're just listening and Lux has ever provided you a song that you like or a smile whether on socials or on the air tweet her at Lux St. Lou and congratulate her on an unbelievable run over at the point yeah we love her she's a sweetheart and she's done great work over the years and she's just a great co-worker she's somebody that's really fun to have in the building so we will miss her, her and we congratulate her on a great run at yes. 105.7 the point so that's my number three my number three michelle is that the nation's avid football fans were again ex- exposed to the dishonesty of the nfl the friday release of the transcripts from the would-be trial provided us an in-depth look at just how deceitful roger goodell is and a shout out to john hessel and the Post-Dispatch for getting this information out into the public. It's nothing that we hadn't already heard, but for Goodell to know in October that Stan Kroenke planned to build a stadium in L.A., then conspire to keep it quiet so the Rams could ostensibly sell more tickets here is reprehensible. And here's the kicker. Goodell went to the podium at his biggest media outing of the year of any season, his Super Bowl press conference, and lied. Just all I lied. Said he didn't know how that land was going to be used when Kroenke had told him four months earlier, I'm going to buy this land to build a stadium in L.A. And and Goodell said, well, we'll keep this quiet for you. We'll maintain your confidentiality. So Goodell did by lying to the public. And he and his actions are completely reprehensible. And I'm glad that the nation's football fans even know more about what happened. Did any of that surprise you, though? No, I knew it all, but I, I'm glad that it was written at Pro Football Talk, and oh, I hope course. that Seth Wickersham will do a piece on it at ESPN.com. I know that they're working on a piece at The Athletic as well. It's just preposterous. The, the league is a joke. It really is. It's so unsurprising for us in St. Louis. We knew most of this, but to have it out there nationally is a big deal. And I know that the national media that are reporters that cover this are going to dig into this and hopefully highlight it more. Do you think any football fan outside of St. Louis cares? No. And that's one of the things that Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk has been saying. He said, St. Louis fans care about this and the rest of the nation doesn't, but you shouldn't. You should care about it. And that includes people in Jacksonville and Charlotte, you know, where, uh, hey, This league is built upon lies. They lied to their own players about concussions. And the second biggest payout they had to make after the $790 million that they paid to St. Louis was to their own players for lying to them about what they knew about concussions. Just a group of bad people. Really bad people. Don't want anything to do with them. Rich people, but bad people. (laughs) You got that right. can't buy integrity, Randy. Number two. I am fascinated by how bad the Cincinnati Reds are. They are so bad. And things got even worse yesterday. So their rookie, Hunter Green, took the mound for the Reds. He had a great game. He held the Pirates without a hit for eight innings. Okay, eight innings of no-hit ball for Hunter Green. He took the mound in the eighth inning. He had a no-hitter intact. He got the ground out to start the inning. Then he walked Rodolfo Castro, okay? And he issued one more walk to Michael Perez. He left the game with runners at first and second, one out. 
Still no hits for the Pirates. Art Warren comes in, replaces him in the game. He gets gives out back-to-back walks. He issues one more walk to load the bases. Key Brian Hayes then comes in, grounds out to second base. The Reds can't turn the double play. Castro scores the game's only run on a field choice. And the Reds lose to the Pirates one to nothing after not even allowing a hit. They don't even allow a hit, and they still find a way to lose the game. They fall to 9-26 and on the season and are one of the all time worst teams that we may ever mm-hmm. see in the history of baseball. So they were 3 and 22. So at least they've gone 6 and 4 in their last 10. But think about 9 and 26 and the fact that we complain here in St. Louis we had a really bad June last year but still made the playoffs. They're going to have a whole year like our June was last year. And oh. I I can't imagine what that must be like. If you're a fan and you have hope and you went into the season or two seasons ago with the hope that your team could contend and them having no chance, but to be a fan, it's just got to be soul crushing. It has to be. And to think that you would get an outing like that from one of your young stars, a guy that's hopefully going to be mm-hmm. something that uh, someone that helps turn this around and Hunter Green and you get no hits in the game and you still find a way to lose I don't know if you're a Reds fan why you would even want to put yourself in that position to watch those games it's just going to bum you out their owner Bob Castellini was a part owner of the Cardinals he was a part of the group that owned this team this franchise with Bill DeWitt and I thought that they were going to be good when he went, went and bought in because I figured, well, he learned what the Cardinals did. Clearly he didn't. And that's a franchise that desperately needs new ownership. Michelle, my number two is you talked about how fascinated you are with the Reds and how bad they are. I'm fascinated with how good Paul Goldschmidt is. He's amazing. Last 14 days, he's hit 362, 455 on base, 702 slug, a 1.157 OPS, three homers, 10 RBIs. This is the time of year that he got hot last year. He got hot and he didn't slow down. He just stayed that hot for the entire season and I expect that it's going to happen again. He is so numbingly consistent that we kind of take it for granted and don't appreciate how good Paul Goldschmidt is. It's kind of like Matt Holliday was here where people just didn't have a great appreciation because he was not Albert but so numbingly consistent they said, oh well that's just what he does. The guy's a phenom, and we should be appreciating and taking advantage of the fact that he's one of ours. I get that Nolan Arenado's going to finish in the top two in MVP voting in the National League. But our Robin is pretty darn good to our Batman. You could make the argument that sometimes he is Batman. Absolutely, you could. It's because he's not flashy with Mm -hmm. it. He's so even keeled. Not only is he so consistent with his play, Randy, but it's just his demeanor. He's not super flashy. He's not super demonstrative. I did appreciate when the Cardinals had that scuffle with the Mets that he Mm -hmm. was the first one with a quick step out of the dugout. But you don't really hear a lot from him in the media. You don't... He just doesn't give you that entertainment side of things, so we don't talk about him as much, especially from a national standpoint, but he's an unbelievable player. I'm still shocked and still have trouble putting into perspective that our first baseman is Goldschmidt and our third baseman is Nolan Arenado. I know, it's incredible. Over the last eight years, those are two of the top five war guys in all of baseball. And they're playing for the Cardinals at first and third base. Sometimes I think back to the Nolan Arenado acquisition, and I'm like, the Rockies <laughs> paid the Cardinals to take crazy. this guy. It's crazy. It's unreal. I know people out there listening don't think that John Mozeliak does enough, or sometimes he's not <laughs> aggressive enough. Think about what we just talked about with the Reds and how mm-hmm. the Cardinals and their front office and their ownership went out and got Paul Goldschmidt, and they got Nolan Arenado, and they, they got the Rockies to pay them to take this guy. Crazy. It crazy. is crazy. 
number one. Randy, my favorite thing from the weekend, and it's not even close, it's Albert Pujols taking mm-hmm. to the mound last night, and the Cardinals win. So the Cardinals were ahead by 13 runs, and Ali Marmol in the dugout is asking for someone to throw the final inning so the team doesn't have to burn a reliever. Albert Pujols' ears perk up, and he says, I'll do it. <laughs> That's right. The 42-year-old Albert Pujols takes to the mound. He became the oldest player to make his pitching debut since Lena Blackburn did it at age 42 in his final game as a player manager for the 1929 Chicago White Sox. In his 22-year career, Randy, this is something that we're always going to remember. And even though his ERA was climbing as it went on, as the inning went on, he did end up closing things out for the Cardinals. And it was just one of the all-time great scenes that we've seen in a while. And Albert Pujols, after the game, was asked about not only getting this opportunity, but what his boy Yadier Molina had to say about his pitching performance. I was, but the thing is that I couldn't even get it there. That's the thing. I was like, I, I had to thread it out. So I, every time I try to keep it down, I was bouncing it. So, but you know, like I say, it was just a great team win. You know, we came up, uh, faced one of the best pitchers in the game. You know, over the last two or three years, and then you do, you know, to be able to make him work and score some runs and. You know, uh, early and have Adam out there, you know, uh, pitch a great game for us. Uh, it's pretty awesome, you know, just uh, having our offense going. To, ha- to have Yachty telling him that he's got to keep the ball down, <laughs> just the icing on the cake of a really special moment. It really was. And uh, it was something that if you're watching, if you were there, you will never forget. Michelle, my number one is all the game sevens. The best thing in sports mm-hmm. is a game seven, right? In the NBA yesterday, had the Celtics and the Mavericks and... It didn't work out that well, except for the fact that Jason Tatum was part of a Celtics blowout, but the Mavericks blew out the Suns. The two overtime Game 7s in the NHL, overtime Game 7s. Calgary knocks out Jamie Benn. They knocked out Jamie Benn in Dallas. Thank you, Calgary. Uh, Johnny Goodrow scoring a 15-09 of overtime late last night. And then yesterday during the day, the Rangers knocked out the Penguins. Artemi Panarin at 446 of overtime. There's nothing more euphoric yet, and we've experienced it with Pat Maroon, right? Or more crushing than a Game 7 overtime that you win or lose. It's the best and the worst that sports has to offer. Thankfully, we were on the positive side of that. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. Randy, I'll think back to Ben Bishop and what that moment must have been like for him. We talk about Pat Maroon, the local product, who was able to be the hometown hero, baby, Mm -hmm. and we will always remember the big rig because of that moment. But think about the St. Louis and Annette, who had, in a previous game, taken a puck to the clavicle from Colton Pareko and went in there in Game 7 and had one of the unbelievable games that are all... It's going to be forgotten because they end up Mm -hmm. losing the game. But not only do you get bounced from the playoffs after coming back and performing really well, you do it on your home ice, not home ice for the team, but your hometown ice, and it's another hometown guy that beats you. That has to be heartbreaking. Especially when your career ends and you don't wind up with a Stanley Cup, and the team that beat you in that game does wind up winning the Stanley Cup. Brutal. So, but Game 7, that's that's what it's all about. Those are our three favorite things from the weekend with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, we want you to weigh in. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing.
Lawrence Moment on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, last night the Dallas Mavericks blew out the Phoenix Suns in Game 7 of their Western Conference semifinal series 123-90. to At one point, Dallas led the game by 46 points. Devin Booker, the star for the Suns, went 3 of 14 from the floor, including 0 of 4 from three-point land. And now we get word, courtesy of side action, that before the game, Kendall Jenner told Devin Booker she wants to take a break from their relationship. Mm. Take it or leave it, that's really bad form before Game 7. That's... Are we sure about that? Well, side action has it, so if they're... if they if they've got it, I'm sure it's true. Before Game 7. Yep, she uh, said she wants to take a break from the relationship. Because I can't imagine, even if you wanted to take a break, that you wouldn't wait until after Game 7 to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. You'd think that that would be the classy thing to do, right? Wait. Yes. That would be an awful thing to do to someone. Yeah. Right before an elimination Ooh, game? Terrible. Mess with their mind when they need to be locked in? Yeah. I hope that that's not true. I do too. That would be terrible. But it would be bad form too. (laughs) Yes, it would. If it happened, it would be bad form. I'll take it. But I don't know because I thought that she was posting about Game 7. She has not been seen at any of the games, apparently, during the the playoffs. Last year, she was at all the games for the Suns. I'm pulling up her IG right now. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to do some hard-hitting investigatory journalism here. Yeah, IG's got the answers, definitely. Hold on. I'm going to her story. Okay. Oh, actually, only only posts about the blood moon, Randy. There you go. Nothing about Game 7. Interesting. Yeah, well, her post to Game 7 was, hey, buddy, we're done. (laughs) Hey, buddy, I'm not here. That's that is still one of the all time videos that that Kelly Chase so, video. I sometimes go back and watch that just for fun. Yeah, to get a little uh, misty eyed. Take it or leave it, Randy. The Blues take Game One versus the Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to take this. I don't think the Avalanche really have an idea of what they face tomorrow night, and it's going to be fearsome. And with Bennington playing the way he is, and the Blues being healthy, I have a feeling that the Blues are going to take it to him. Physically, but with a little bit more discipline than they had in Game 2 against Minnesota. They also have not played in a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche, after they swept the Predators, they've just been sitting around. And you lose some momentum. You lose some of your sharpness. I would not be shocked if the Blues, who have that momentum and have that sharpness, come out and hand it to them on, in Game 1. I wouldn't be surprised either. By the way, if you paid attention to the Avalanche during the season, you know but we will point this out for you because it's important for you to know that during the regular season, the Colorado Avalanche at home were 32-5-4. and four. Woo! Pretty good. It's amazing that they're going to lose a playoff series, but they are. <laughs> but you know what? It's rare that the best team wins. Yeah, it is. Right. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do we got? 3-1-4, take it or leave it. Kadri forces the Blues to fight him at least twice this series. I'm going to leave that. I don't think the Blues will play into his shenanigans. You think that they'll be disciplined? No. I I, I kind of have a feeling that he's going to probably stay out of the fray more than he has. In the, I don't think that he'll, he'll... He's such a key for them now in terms of being a player. I don't think that he can afford to be trying to injure guys anymore. But some people just can't help themselves. Well, if Shen can get him going emotionally, that'd be a good thing. If Shen can draw him into a battle, because mm-hmm. he's kind of a... He's a cheap shot artist. So that's what you have to do is get him to take a cheap shot five-minute penalty. Just 
agitate him. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we talked about that last series. The over the teams got over physical and it played into you know each, each mm-hmm. other's hands. Three one four. Brendan Donovan is the Cardinals' starting shortstop come playoff time. I'm going to leave that. I'll leave that too. I, I think it's going to be at Mundo Sosa. I think it's going to be Sosa too. Who's looked pretty good. By the way, a couple of days ago, I don't know if you saw this, Michelle, but uh, Paul DeYoung had two hits in one game. All right, Paul. In Memphis. Yeah. Let's go. Paul and D, what's up? Really, that happened? Okay. Uh, take it or leave it. Blues win in five. I'll leave that. I'm going to leave that, too. Mm. You're picking the Blues in. I'll take the Blues in six. I'm going to take the Blues in seven. Okay. Because Michelle likes to see St. Louis sweat, apparently. Well, I picked the blues to beat the wild in seven and then they beat them in six so i'm gonna follow that same formula that if i pick them to win in seven (laughs) they're gonna do it in six and i pick the blues to win in six so i will hope that i can maintain that level of success we're so superstitious (laughs) we're such weirdos yeah we are so weird i think it's completely normal take it or leave it adam wainwright will be on the st louis mount rushmore of pitching by the end of his career Ooh. well who's on there randy let's talk about it bob gibson gibson's at the top I would put Bruce Souter, who's a Hall of Famer, in there, right? Mm-hmm. Red jacket. Yep. Then you, you have to be looking at Dizzy Dean, probably, and then either Wainwright or Carpenter, and I think Wainwright is ahead of Carpenter. More wins, uh, obviously hasn't had the postseason success, but more longevity here yeah. in St. Louis. I would put Waino ahead of Carp. More records. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, that's so hard, though, for me to leave Chris Carpenter off. And you could, Suter was only here for four years, one, two, three, four. He did close out a world championship, and that's huge, and he's a Hall of Famer and wears the STL on his cap. But the fact that it was only four years might set him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Bob Forsh was great, won a world championship here, was in three World Series. John Tudor is in the Cardinal Hall of Fame. But Wayno's ahead of him. So I would say that Wayno is pretty comfortably on that Mount Rushmore. Might even be in the top three. I think he's on there, too. When you think about this era of sustained success for the St. Louis Cardinals, Mm -hmm. he's one of the faces of it, so I think he has to be there. 618, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill will not get a long-term deal with the Cardinals. Mm, That's a good one. That is. I'm going to to take that. I think I'm going to take it, too. You got the uh, outfielders are playing well uh, down in the minors, so I, I would say that yeah, you've got the Alec Burleson has a chance to be good. I'm, I, I will take that. Yeah. I also wonder if they might want to allocate that money for pitching. That's not a bad idea. Pitching does tend to win championships. Six three six, take it or leave it. In the same vein, you'll go with only five gold gloves if Yepes keeps hitting like this. Tyler might still find it, but you got to play to hit. You got to hit to play. Hit to play. Yeah, but you play if you hit. I'll take that. You go with the hot hand. You have to go with the hot hand. By the way, you do have to play to hit, too. And you have to hit to play. You have to hit to play and play to hit. That's right. Clearly, the young played for a long time. (laughs) Randy. (laughs) I'm just saying. By the way, we have, and I I appreciate this, uh, a texter who is obsessed with Scipio Spinks, who started the (laughs) first game I ever went to. Really? Yeah. As a fan? Yeah. uh, yeah. I was like nine, ten years old. And uh, Scipio Spinks started against the Cubs for the Cardinals. Yeah, I had a giant uh, teddy bear named Mighty Joe Young. A stuffed gorilla. Mm-hmm. It was great. So, yeah, he was fun. He was a fun pitcher to have on the team. Good times. And a great name. Scipio Spinks. That is a great name. Such a good name. Uh, 618, take it or leave it. If Benner leads the Blues to another cup, he'll be the most important number 50 in St. Louis sports history. Ooh. More than Wayno? More than Pisatino e Samoa? They'll each have two championships. Shout out to Pisa, though. Yeah. Um, Gosh. 
I think they'll be tied for first. You can't you can't tell me that even if Binner does it again, that that still puts him ahead of Adam Wainwright, who's done it for so long. Right. The longevity really. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. 7 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Michelle, since the start of May, and this is nothing new, you can go back to April too, but let me just give you the runs the Cardinals have scored in each game. Seven, then one, then one, then ten, then seven, then three, then seven, then three, then three, then ten, then two, then two, then four, then 15. So they have scored four and 15, and they've had a couple of other times, specifically May 4th and 5th, where they scored 10 and 7. Because they scored 15 last night, does that give you any confidence that they've broken out of their feast or famine stretch? Um, I thought they had a great game plan yesterday against a really good pitcher. Um, But one game is not going to make me think that they've broken out of this pattern. I'm going to need to see more of a consistent sample size for me to think that they've gotten out of it. And I know that this year is a little weird and we've pushed back our date on determining what this Cardinals team is going to be because of the truncated spring training and the lockout. But I still think that these Cardinals batters and this offense is hopefully, finding themselves. Um, You have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado who are doing what they do. Mm -hmm. But Tommy Edmond, I think, has been better than expected so far offensively. I think we're just kind of looking at the outfield to really get going. And you you hate to see people like Tyler O'Neill regress. Now, Carlson has been hot for the better part of a month now. Mm -hmm. But they do need Harrison Bader to get going consistently offensively. They need O'Neill to get going. And... What you like to have is what the Yankees have right now, where you're scoring at least four every single game. It's wonderful to score 15, but then when you have the games where you're scoring one run, you, you scored one run. Let me go back to the last 15 games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm kind of long here. Uh, they have <laughs> scored two or fewer runs in uh, six of their last 15 games. So if a third of the time you're scoring two or fewer, you just aren't going to win. That's just not how baseball go. So they need to find a level of consistency. And I'm with you. I don't have any problem with the top of the order. The problem is once you get past, well, the the top three guys, Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, you're just riding a a wave with the other guys. Tyler O'Neill, I think, is the biggest surprise offensively Mm -hmm. so far this year because I think most people expected this to be a continuation of what we saw from him last season in a positive way. And for us to be sitting here on May 16th and he's hitting 193 and how many home runs does he have? Two home runs? I think we thought that we'd see much more from Tyler O'Neill at this point. And I, I hate to judge Corey Dickerson on 63 plate appearances, but it is what it is. He's hitting 190 with a 462 OPS. At some point, they're going to have to make a determination on Corey Dickerson whether mm-hmm. to fish or cut bait, and whether it's G- Gorman coming up and hitting a bunch of bombs but striking out a bunch. At some point, your left-handed side of that DH is going to have to do something productive. You know who's been another fun and pleasant surprise is Juan Yepes. Yeah, and right now... He's the guy, if I'm DHing against a right-hander, as much as we love Albert, he has not succeeded against right-handed pitching this year, but Yepes has. So I have no problem with him either being the DH or if you can find him, if you can get him to be able to play left field, 
that would be a big advantage. I don't know if he has left field in him. Most people do. I mean, he, the Red Sox won World Series with Manny Ramirez playing left, <laughs> and he can't be that bad. So maybe that's the play, and then you get Gorman up here to DH. But at some point, Tyler O'Neill, you're going to have to decide, okay, what have we seen for – is this month and a half real, or what is what we saw in the last month and a half last year the real thing? Do you think Paul DeYoung and that situation – will give him a longer or a shorter leash? Or do you think it play, plays into it at all? Because if I'm the Cardinals, I'm mm-hmm. looking at the fact that you gave Paul DeYoung a ton of runway and you didn't really see any positive momentum. And then you bring up somebody like Juan Yapez, who has success and has this infusion of offense and energy mm-hmm. into the team. And I just, as much as you know what Tyler O'Neill has been capable of in the past, I wonder if... Paul DeYoung not being able to find it makes the Cardinals a little bit quicker on the hook with somebody like Tyler I would hope that's the case. And I think the other thing the Cardinals have to recognize, and yes, it is early. We won't reach the quarter pole of the season until next weekend. But you reach a quarter pole and then you only have 75% left, right? But the Cardinals, if the playoffs started today, they would be one of the wild card teams. They're only a game and a half ahead of Arizona. But... They can't afford to be so inconsistent that they drop way behind Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be one of those wild card teams. You want to win the division. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. He and his squad on their way to Colorado today for game one against the Avalanche tomorrow. Kerbs next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Your St. Louis Blues will start round two of the playoffs tomorrow night. The Colorado Avalanche will provide the opposition at Ball Arena in Denver. You'll hear the action with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale starting at 8.30, the pregame at 7.30 here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. And Chris Kerber does join us now, as he does every Monday here on Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, doing well. How are you? Everything's great, and I know that there's a lot of consternation over the schedule, but it is what it is, and the Blues have done pretty well with the 8.30 starts. That's what we have to take advantage of, is that, hey, we know that we can play at 8.30. Yeah, and the good news is, is you know, out in, it, while it's 8.30 St. Louis time uh, for the first two games, it's actually 7.30 Colorado, so, so it'll feel a little bit normal, you know, there. And then the home game is a 7 o'clock game on Saturday, so a little more normalcy in the second round here. By virtue of time zones, uh, I know it's no different for St. Louis fans living here. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It's the way the world works with TV. And the one thing that Central Division teams are is very used to this. Well, Curbs, we know the Colorado Avalanche are going to be a very tough opponent for the Blues in round two. They're a really complete team. But when you look at this matchup, what's one advantage that you think that the Blues have? Well, I still think the Blues have an advantage on the power play. Now, you know, can they get to it and stay out of the penalty box will be the key, you know, but in the regular season. And when honestly, when it comes to stats in the playoffs so far, when it, when it comes to stats in the playoffs, I'm right now I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in Colorado's playoff stats because Nashville was just so bad against them, right? 
So, and then they were, they were not playing UC Soros. So go back to the regular season, in my opinion, Michelle. And I look at the St. Louis blues power play at 27%. Colorado's penalty killing was under 80%. So that, that to me is going to have to be, you know, one, one advantage uh, for the St. Louis blues that, that they'll have to, to handle here. You know, they played three head to head games in the regular season. They were all essentially one-goal games. The two wins for Colorado had empty net goals in them. And unfortunately, two of those three games were so early on in the season. I'm not sure what we take out of that. So this uh, this ought to be an interesting one here, uh, at least the first couple games of feeling each other out. Curbs, I'm intrigued also to watch and and see how Darcy Kemper reacts because Kemper has – this will be the first time, uh, actually the second time in 20, he played uh, in Arizona uh, with Arizona in the bubble, but he hasn't really played in a real second round of the playoffs yet. And as we know, because we've seen it, the intensity increases and it, it just gets a little bit more stressful, especially for a goalie. Yeah, it does. Now you know, he's got a career record of nine and five against the Blues, and and that's pretty solid. Of course, some of that, of course, a lot of that was when he was with Minnesota. He did play all three games. You know, the interesting part about the matchup here is uh, it was Jordan Bennington that played all three games against Colorado this year. So Billy Huso's only got the two combined games, one start against Colorado. Franco's the backup for for Colorado, has never played against the Blues. So if we end up in that situation, there's a lot of unknowns. But back to Kemper, you know, he's played really well. Guys, I think he's still beatable. I don't think that this is a shutdown, lock-it-down goaltender, you know, kind of the Vasilevsky type or or even what we saw, say, from Ben Bishop and some of those others that get in your head. So I I think that the Blues could take advantage of that. Uh, But, but again, you know, the amazing thing about this is I I expected the Blues to go in as as underdogs and solid underdogs in in this series. But you go back to the regular season. The Blues had a 3.77 goals for per game. Colorado was 3.76. Slight difference in goals against, but Colorado was 2.83. The Blues were 2.91. The Blues had a better power play. The Blues had a better penalty kill. Um, and, and the Blues had a better faceoff percentage. So it, it really, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this one's going to work out because you, and, and unlike the last game, I thought that last series, guys, the Blues had a massive advantage when it came to coaching staff. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit more even with what Jared Bednar and his experience has been able to do. So, um, uh, again, some other, I guess, storylines below the surface on that one. Another storyline for me, Curbs, and something that I'm intrigued to see play out is the fact that the Avs haven't played since May 9th. After they swept Nashville, they've just been sitting around since May 9th. And I know that that's an opportunity for them to get rested, to get healthy, especially playoff time when everybody's a little banged up. But I wonder if they've lost a little momentum and sharpness having not played since May 9th. Well, and add to that, and and over the years, Michelle, I have yet to figure out whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Like, I honestly, it's, it's, it's a storyline that comes up every single playoffs with one or two teams if you end a series early. Um, and if you come out on fire, you go, well, the rest was good. If you come out not, you're going, oh, the rest was bad. And I've yet to really figure out whether or not it's an advantage. What I do know is I definitely believe that the fact that the Blues had to wait until the games last night to finish to know whether they were going to start tomorrow or on Wednesday, I, I do think that the Blues getting a couple extra days rest was definitely advantage with as taxing as it was on our defense in, in that previous round. So I hope you're right. I, I mean, I, I hope it does throw them for a little. I, I, more even so than, than the rest, I wonder about the, the level of competition that they played in that series, too. 
So not not just the, the a whole week off that they've had, but they really weren't challenged very much against Nashville. And I think the Blues are going to throw obviously a different a different uh, and much heavier look at them. Curbs, as I watch games, I don't think that there's a defenseman in the league that scares me more than Makar does. And obviously, the numbers bear it out, but his speed and his ability to get through the neutral zone and then the way he zips into the offensive zone, he is electrifying. He's really dynamic. And I don't know how you handle him. I guess the best way to handle him is like the Blues handled Kaprizov, and that is by maintaining puck possession in the offensive zone. Keep him 200 feet from the net. Keep him 200 feet from the net, but, man, he can skate, and he can skate like the wind. And then when he gets into the offensive zone, he'll make moves, and he can score some goals almost like Kaprizov scored. It was He really is a heck of a talent that they ended up getting, and they got him with the sixth overall pick. And, and this was one of those that if you're the Blues, you're going to have to get in, and you're going to have to put some equity, as Joey likes to call it. And if you can hit him, hit him. The challenge is he could be hard to hit because he can move a little bit. So um, – you know, they're very good defensively, Randy. Uh, they've got some size back there that they can bang around a little bit as well. You know, and, and I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm impressed with Colorado and what they did. I, I did not expect them to be, I guess, as dominant in the Central Division as they were. You knew they were going to be really good. But I, just, I, did, I didn't expect a separation with the loss of guys like Graves and Donskoy. You know, so it, it's going to be a challenge. But here's, but guys, here's where I think the Blues still have an advantage. Colorado's got some good depth, but I still think the Blues, but that third line and the way that the Blues can spread the scoring around, that's that's to me an advantage for St. Louis here. And if the Blues can find a way to shut down the McKinnon line and keep McCarr at bay, wow, they're they're, they're going to have a pretty doggone solid chance here because the Blues have that good of an offensive team. And Curbs, one other note about this, and especially at this time of year, you really have to keep an eye on where Kadri is, and you kind of have to just beware of him. And even though he had a great year, 87 points, he's still a guy that over the course of his career, especially in the playoffs, has gone out to try to injure guys, and you can't react. If you're the Blues, you can't respond to his shenanigans. Yeah, you know, so if you remember the first two games of the regular season, the Blues went after Kadri pretty good just about every single shift. Uh, you got to forget what he did to Justin Falk a season ago, and, and just and keep him at bay. But you are right; awareness out on on the ice in this series is going to be big in terms of who you're playing against and the type of player that they are, because the physicality can get pretty doggone heavy. And you're right; he's the guy that will come out and he will hit you to hurt you. And you better be aware when you're out there on the ice, especially if you're a younger player. Maybe you're a guy like Jordan Cairo. You know, and you're going to use his speed. If somebody like Kadri's on the ice tracking, you better keep your head up and you better be aware. But I like the blue size in this series, guys. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, th- this is a series for me where a guy like a uh, like a Pavel Butchnevich could really help take it over with his size and ability to control the pocket. He may, that line's going to get some matchups, I think, that are going to be favorable, especially when the Blues get to return home. Good call. Hey, one final thing. We always hear about athletes and their durability in the in the high altitude. What about when you're broadcasting for two and a half hours? Does the, <laughs> do, does the altitude ever affect you? No. The only, listen, the only time that the altitude really affects the broadcasters is make sure that if you're drinking a few beers, you add some water in there. <laughs> like that is – I don't know if you guys are like like that. That I think is is the ultimate key. No, I haven't. Um, I, I haven't really ever noticed it from a from a broadcaster standpoint out there. So that 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 part's lucky, but it could also be that I've got some pretty good lung capacity. <laughs> Curbs, we will be. 
<laughs> you do, no doubt. Uh, we'll, we'll be tuned in. Can't wait for it. Looking forward to tomorrow. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have an awesome week. Let's go, let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. That's Chris yeah. Kerber, the voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. I kind of like that the Blues are underdogs in this one again. They do, too. I think they do, too. And when you think about the fact that it was Colorado that bounced them last year, we're going to talk to David, David Perron at 9 o'clock, the fact that he didn't get to play in that series and how much that tortured him. I'm sure that the Blues are looking back at last season, and they're going to be motivated regardless of who mm-hmm. the opponent is, but I think they're probably glad that they get another crack at the Avs. And, oh, by the way, Kroenke sucks T-shirts available at Arch Apparel. <laughs> and I think we're going to get some and we're going to oh, do good. a little social media video because if anyone on planet Earth needs to own a T-shirt that says Cronky sucks, it is Randy Carricker. Well, I feel it. I think it. So, yeah, I might as well wear what I feel, right? Do you think anyone hates Sam Cronky more than you do? Oh, I'm sure there's, yeah, the, the, the wife of the guy who committed suicide. Oh, yeah, that's true. Probably. I'm just saying. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I can't imagine... She's probably not really happy with him. No, they're not. But I hate him pretty much. I'm uh, uh, Tony might say, tied for first. Tied for first. You're right yeah. up there. You're in the Mount Rushmore of dudes that hate Sam Cronkite. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up next, it's the fight on 101 East. Oh, get ready for that. Saturday, Saturday night. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, the fight's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's the first fight of the week here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN 833 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's bring in Randy's competition on this Monday morning. It's Mike who's joining us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Go Blues. Sorry, Mike, you weren't you weren't potted in there. Go say that again. I said good morning to you, and let's go Blues. That's right. Mike, how are you feeling about this second-round series, Blues and Abs? Um, I agree, Blues in six. Blues in six. I like that. I picked Blues in seven, and I'm hoping for Blues in six. There you go. And you can listen to all the action, Game 1 here on 101 ESPN, starting with pregame at 7.30. That's tomorrow night. Game 1, tomorrow night, pregame starting at 7.30. All right, Mike, enough dilly-dallying. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yes, indeed. All right. Question number one. Good luck to you, by the way. Who was the last Cardinal position player to pitch in a game? Was it Matt Adams, Matt Carpenter, or Yadier Molina? Matt Carpenter. And who was the last Cardinal pitcher to hit a grand slam in the regular season? Is that Adam Wainwright, Jeff Supon, or Jake Westbrook? Um... I'm going to say Jeff Supon. Question number three for you, Mike. The Celtics have been to 37 Eastern Conference Finals. How many of those 37 trips have they gone on to play in the NBA Finals? 17, 19, or 21? 19. 
And on this day in 1997, what St. Card- St. Louis Cardinals infielder recorded his 2000th hit? Was that Mark McGuire, Royce Clayton, or Gary Gaetti? I'm going to say Mark McGuire. Okay, let's check our score here. Confirmed. We'll wave in Randy. Mike, how was your weekend? You do anything fun and exciting? No, no, nothing really. I had to work all weekend. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> well, that's a bummer. Hopefully that uh, you beat Randy in the fight today and you can start your week off with a bang since you didn't have a, an exciting weekend. Randy, please well, say good go. morning to Mike. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Uh, not great. Not great? Oh, I don't want to hear that. I want yeah. to hear that you're doing great. But yeah, we thank you for listening and we thank you for playing. It's yeah. good to have you with us. What do you mean not great, Mike? You're, you're hanging out with fight? us this morning I, on 101 ESPN. I, I, the sun is shining. Come on, man. I, I had the opportunity to drop the not great. I'm doing great. <laughs> actually, I, just to <laughs> I like it. I love that you took advantage of that. That is Mo's signature line. It really love is. It. We haven't had... Uh, there's, there's not many lines that... In St. Louis sports, like you're, you used, a, I'm a hometown hero, baby. But there's there's not many that you say, okay, that's, Army's got, take the knife, right? Yeah. There's like four or five of those. I would say my personal. Um, not great. Love that. I would say my personal Mount Rushmore is Tony LaRusso, tied for first. Mm-hmm. I would say, Mo, not great. Army, take the knife, jam it into their eye and into their brain and kill them. Mm-hmm. And probably I'm a hometown hero, baby, Pat Maroon. It's the first week of the season. Also a great one. Yep. I mean, you could argue that should be on there, too. Oh, and there was a, one other one uh, that I think that everybody needs to... Do I look nervous? Well, that's another... See, that's another one. But. Well, without getting into all the details of it, I mean, dealing with people with lower incomes wasn't something I particularly <laughs> look forward to, frankly. Too long. Yeah, too. Yeah, too long. Okay. Too long. Okay, I'm uh, ready. Do I look nervous? I would say also yeah. on there. Do I look nervous? So maybe not on Mount Rushmore, but we're doing a top 10 list. All right, Randy, are you ready to go? Ready. You don't look nervous at all. I'm not. <laughs> You've been a little, dare I say, cocky in these fights recently. I've been doing them for a long time. I don't get nervous anymore. I know, but you've been firing off the sounders before I even announced the winner. Just win, baby. Oh, you that called sounded... your shot. You called your shot. I did not know. Yes, you did. If you fire that right now, you're calling your shot. I didn't call my yes, shot. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So uh, hopefully you can deliver. Yeah, you're like Babe Ruth pointing <laughs> to the outfield. Randy, question number one. Who was the last Cardinal position player to pitch in a game? Mm, Albert Pools. Outside of him. Oh, before last night. Yeah, before last night. Uh, yeah, that would be a little too easy. Okay, I... And technically, he's a DH. Oh, <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, I, there's got to be somebody since Aaron Miles, I would think. Um, let's see. Just trying to go through the lineups recently and see if there was anybody that fit that bill. Uh, I'll go with Marp. Who was the last Cardinal pitcher to hit a grand slam in the regular season? Grand slam home run for a Cardinal pitcher. Grand slamma. And I guess what he'll yeah. be, probably be the last Cardinal pitcher to ever hit a grand slam True. in the regular season yes. game. Yes. Good point. Well, I know Bob Forsh. I know for a fact that Bob Forsh did hit a grand slam in a regular season game. I'm guessing there's probably somebody since then. Jason Marquis may have. Um... 
I don't think Wayno has hit a grand slam. I will go with Forshee. The Celtics, Randy, have been to 37 Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals. How many of those 37 trips have they then gone on to play in the NBA Finals? Okay, so uh, they have won 16 championships, and I'll say they've lost. Well, they lost the Lakers three times, uh, and they oh no four. Uh, Jerry West didn't beat them because I learned that from Winning Time. <laughs> uh, 17, 18, 10. I'll go twenty. Four. On this day in 1997, what St. Louis Cardinals infielder recorded his 2000s hit? So May 16th, 1997, what St. Louis Cardinal infielder recorded his 2000th hit? Hmm. 97. I'm assuming that Gary Gaetti was still... I'll do the lifeline just to make sure. Was it Mark McGuire, Royce Clayton, or Gary Gaetti? Gary Gaetti. This was an unbelievably close fight today. Came down to the last question. Final score was two to one. Hmm. Randy called a shot earlier. He played Al Davis just win, baby. Before I even gave him question number one. Was that misguided arrogance by Randy Carricker? Or did he indeed take home the victory? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. I came down to the last question, Mike, and I thought you might be headed to the tiebreaker round, but Randy pulled it out. On question number four, he got it right and he beat you two to one. Oh, the pleasure was all mine, guys. Awesome. Thanks Thank for listening, Mike. Thank you for joining Mike. us. Well, have a great week. You're welcome. Bye-bye. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that we would make you sweat a little, go to the tiebreaker round. But you pulled it out. Congratulations. You only won Sounder, too? Not mm-hmm. like you. Here's to the winner. I am the champion. I am number one. You okay? I'm, I'm great. I'm just saying, after you called your shot and then, in fact, came out victorious, I just thought you I didn't have... call my shot on purpose. You were asking about Saunders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And St. Louis Saunders. Yeah, Drew you, me into it. I just thought you'd take more of a victory lap on this one. Somebody uh, texted in last week and wanted to hear this, so... I'm winning. I'm winning. I don't know why. It's a little nasally for my taste. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last Cardinal position player to pitch in a game was, in fact, Mark, Matt Carpenter. And guess when it happened? Exactly one year ago yesterday. Really? It was May 15th, 2021. According to this sheet. Yes. Do we know who they were playing? I can't remember the game. I'm sorry, Matt. You might not know he that. He hit like I a pitcher. Some, I think it's somewhere in my phone because I was looking it up last night. Okay. I'll give you a second to, to potentially. Uh, yes. They were playing the San Diego Padres. They lost 13 to 3. He pitched oh. one and he, he pitched one and a third and allowed two hits, hit one pitcher or hit, hit one batter, and he faced sixteen or he faced six batters, had fourteen strikes. There you go, a little Matt Carpenter pitching trivia for you. The last Cardinals pitcher to hit a grand slam in the regular season was Jake Westbrook, hmm. who did it on August thirty first, two thousand eleven. Westy, old Westy. The Celtics have been to thirty seven Eastern Conference Finals. 21 of those 37 oh. trips they've gone on to play in the NBA Finals. <laughs> they've only lost four trips to the NBA Finals. They are, seven, the Lakers. They are 17 and 4. That's amazing. 
It is. And on this day in 1997, so May 16th, 1997, Gary Gaetti recorded his 2000th hit. That's the one you got, correct, Randy? Propelling you to a victory. The most surprising thing of that, actually, is that Royce Clayton got 1,900 hits in his career. I was trying to find a third person from that roster to give you a, a realistic option, and I couldn't believe Royce Clayton got 1,900 hits in his career. And did Big Mac get to 2,000 hits? I, I think so, yeah. We'll see. We'll find out here momentarily. Research is on it. We've, we're on it. Okay, total hits for Big Mac in his career. Oh, no. 1626. 1626 for Big Mac. Yep. It was 97. I went straight to it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, that was the fight, and you're killing me, Smalls. It's coming your way. And then in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll have David Perron, Dan McLaughlin, Ron Jacober on his new book about the 1964 Cardinals and Nick Ragone. So busy 9 o'clock hour coming your way, but YKMS is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is time now for... Killing me, Smalls! Randy, we know that the St. Louis Cardinals have the BFIB, the best fans in baseball. But did you also know that they have the BDIB, some of the best drinkers in baseball? Really? Yeah, listen to this. According to a study done by NY Gambling Online, Cardinals fans are in the top three of drinkers when it comes to MLB fan bases. So the average fan consumes more than 2.5 beers per baseball game. Cardinals fans are drinking 3.05 beers per game. That's right. Go mm-hmm. us. Yeah. But in a we're a beer we're a town of beer and baseball. You know, beer and baseball. That's what St. Louis do. I've Come on. I've seen the t-shirt before and I'm sure people will text in if they have it. We are a drink a drinking town with a baseball problem. That's right. Yeah. And that's good. I'm proud of Cardinal Nation. They can handle their liquor too. So they come <laughs> they can handle any sort of booze you want to throw mm-hmm. their way. Yep. So the Cardinals are the number three fan base when Mm. it comes to drinking beers per game. The Miami Marlins snagging the number two spot. I get it. Just ahead of the Cardinals. So the Cardinals Mm. fans, 3.05 beers per game. Marlins fans, 3.06 beers Mm. per game. Who do you think the number one fan base is when it comes to drinking beers per game? It can only be Cubs fans. Incorrect. Really? Matt? Wow. I'm see. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go trend with the, the sorrow beats out the happiness. I'm gonna go with New York Mets fans. Incorrect. Philly. Nope. Wow. The correct answer, gentlemen, is the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, I see. So, oh. Sorrow. Sorrow trumps happiness when uh-huh. it comes to drinking mm-hmm. every time. They come in number one with the heaviest drinkers among baseball fans. Three point zero nine beers per game for the Rockies. And really, if you're a Rockies fan, what else are you doing if you're going to a game if you're not drinking beer? You're not there to That's watch true. the product. Right. Now, think about this, though, in terms of total beers sold. The Cardinals averaging 3.4 million fans per season. <laughs> the The Marlins are at a million and a half. The Rockies are maybe at two. The number of total beers sold, we've got to blow everybody else out of the water, don't Probably. we? Probably. I mean, it's Bush Stadium, yeah. right? I mean, I would imagine that this is what we do. You're, the thing I'm wondering is... Do Cardinals fans fall in third place on this list because they're drinking more before the game? Like, they should be number one, but I also think Cardinals fans, they want to go down to Ballpark Mm -hmm. Village. They're going down to patios. They're probably throwing a few back before they even enter the gates of the stadium. 
that would place us in the number one overall position. You know I what I'm think saying? there's no doubt. There's yeah. some pregaming going on here, which there I think is. skewed these numbers. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. I think, listen, the, the the Rockies version of Ballpark Village, the one they have right next to their stadium, is unbelievable. And so I have, I got to think that even if you're factoring that in, there might, there might be more people at the Rockies version of Ballpark Village than there are actually at the game on a nightly basis. That, that has place a nickname that you would hate, by the way. What is it? Lodo. <laughs> Lodo. It's lower downtown, and they, they do they call it Lodo. Soho, Lodo. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. You love it. Now, the two fan bases that were tied for last place with 2.19 beers per game, the Cleveland Guardians mm-hmm. and the Pittsburgh Pirates guys. I'm just assuming not a lot of people in the stands for those games. Right. Which is maybe why. If I'm a Pirates fan, I don't really want to go to many games. I'm no, saving my money true. for Steelers games. Yeah, or Penguins. Or Penguins, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, but shout out to us, just slamming beers. We uh, we got that part, yeah. I'm winning. <laughs> I'm Actually, we're in third place. And you, if you ain't first, you're last. But still, shout out to us. Like yeah. I said, I don't believe all of the metrics. I think that if you actually took into account... Every single beer consumed on game day, Cardinals fans would be right at the top. There's no doubt about it. You can't tell me that we wouldn't be number one. You're killing me, Smalls. Some speculation on the media landscape, Randy. Drew Brees had his rookie season with NBC as an NFL analyst, and people are speculating that he might be one and done. So Andrew Marshan from the New York mm-hmm. Post, we know he's super plugged in. He reported yesterday that Drew Brees was out at NBC. Wow. He says that he will not return to NBC after just one season as a studio and game analyst, according to sources. Well, Drew, Drew Brees took to Twitter and said, hey, not so fast. He says, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on businesses and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. I hope he doesn't come back because he was ready to go. He was ready to be done when he retired. The retirement was a good thing. I think that they need to probably, and he'll probably find his way into media. He just wasn't electrifying. That'd be the scary thing, though, for uh, Fox with Tom Brady, wouldn't it be? Yeah. If because we kind of assumed that Drew Brees would be pretty good on TV, and if he's one and done, but Tom Brady has a ten-year, three hundred seventy-five million dollar deal with Fox, could go sideways. It could, but here's the difference: is I think Tom Brady knows he's going to be in the booth and essentially dictating what's he want, what he wants mm-hmm. to do. And Andrew Marshan reporting that Drew Brees wanted to be on more broadcasts and not just doing pre and halftime shows. But NBC only has one game a week, and Chris Collinsworth has mm-hmm. got that spot locked up, and they are negotiating with Collinsworth. Um, on an extension, and Drew Brees still doing those Notre Dame games, but he wants to be on an NFL broadcast. I wonder if he goes to Fox. They still need an analyst, right, to replace Aikman. Maybe there's been a lot of... Um, but but if Tom Brady is on the horizon there for Fox, do they really want to spend all that money on Drew Brees for one season? I don't know. Well, he doesn't have to be on the A-team. Well, we say one season, but it really could be... Three to five. We don't know with Tom Tom Brady. He might be a guy that winds up working with Chris Myers. Here's the thing, though. They already got a noodle arm quarterback. We finally get Drew Brees in a Miami Dolphins uniform. Oh, man. Just a few years too late. (laughs) They were going after Tom Brady, allegedly. But he's not noodle armed. True. But did we see the Tua throw with the rocket emoji when it didn't look like a rocket? That's what what Brees is now. 
Right. And at least you'd put butts in seats if it's Drew Brees. You're still getting 35 yard ducks. At least you're putting butts in seats. I think, I, 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 I hope that Drew Brees doesn't come back. I don't think he will. I think he was just tongue in cheek saying yeah. that there's a lot of options out there on the table for him and that he might not be done with NBC. But Andrew Marshand is rarely wrong about these right. types of things. And I do hope also that uh, Drew Brees continues his great philanthropy because he's done a great job of that over the course of his career. He absolutely has. You're killing me, Smalls! And finally, guys, the Oklahoma Sooners, they have a new quarterback, and we're all going to love him because his name is General Booty. That's right. Oh! The Oklahoma Sooners' new quarterback, his name is actually General Booty. He's six foot three, 195 pounds. He's a sophomore. He transferred from Tyler Junior College in Texas to Oklahoma, and... His uncle is John David Booty, who you may remember Mm -hmm. taking it to Illinois in the Rose Bowl, I believe in 2008. But yes, his name is General Booty. I was hoping he was of John David fame. He is. They are from the same lineage. That is just a great name. I think more kids need to be named General. Did you see what his middle name is? What? His middle name is Axel. That's right, Axel. Axel I remember that. General Axel Booty. And here's what he says. He says, obviously my name's an attention grabber and people like to do headlines with it, but I like to show people with my play that I can back it up too. This is what General said. Mm -hmm. I have done that. I'm going to continue to do that and give them a reason to remember my name. Bro, I think we're going to remember General Booty, whether or not you're good on the field or not. I think so too. Yeah, that's... uh, it's kind of like a name from uh, something that would happen in an ugly prison movie, right? General <laughs> Axel Booty. His yeah. dad's name is Abram Booty, yeah, which is still like a low-key wild name. Well, anything really with Booty on That's the end true. is going to be fun. But his dad, Abram, as Matt mentioned, was obsessed with the military, so he named his son General. General Booty. A, I wonder if he has another son named Colonel. God, I hope he makes it to the NFL because, like, with the with the with the Brown slash Sate Brown family, and now the Booty Clan in here, this is NFL's hitting just a new high in the naming level. I love it. General Booty and going to a place like Oklahoma yep. that fits. General Booty, that's great. I love it. We need private booty. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on OnlyFans. That's going to be. I mean, if he throws an interception, that's he's going to get demoted now to private booty or something like that's going to be the joke. Just like write it down right now. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome, David Perron. Next on <laughs> 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Gets the job done on the ice every night. Perron, he tucked it in like you put the corner of his seat underneath your mattress in the morning. Blues forward David Perron, and he joins Carriker and Smallman right now. Perron, he scores! On 101 ESPN. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. We'll fly to Denver later today and play the Avalanche tomorrow night. Game one of the second round, best of seven series at Ball Arena at 8.30 St. Louis time. The pregame at 7.30. And David Braun joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. Nice talking to you. Yeah, David, it's great to talk to you. You had a hat trick in the first round. Your team beating the Minnesota Wild heading to Colorado. How does it feel after two seasons to get past that first round and get into the second round? Yeah, no, it's a it's a good feeling for sure. Pretty uh, even matchup uh, against Minnesota. I, I we have the feeling that 
most games uh, could have gone uh, either way, depending on who scored first, really. And uh, we found the way in, in the key game. And uh, we're pretty excited about that, obviously. And uh, I think once you get to the second round, the, the belief of every team left, uh, there's there's eight teams left uh, already. The belief uh, increases uh, every day, every win. And uh, we're going to look to keep going. David, in 19 and and then the nineteen twenty season, we talked a lot about how the Blues game looked and you guys getting to that game. Does the Blues game look different when you get to it now? And if so, how? I mean, it, it is a little bit, but uh, we saw when uh, the games that we really played well and hold uh, the lead like uh, game five, as well as game six, the third period. I was really impressed with our team. It felt like we raised our level in, in the sense of things that we need to do to have success in the playoffs. And uh, that's uh, super exciting. That that shows that we can play with the lead. And obviously, it'll be a whole different uh, matchup with uh, Colorado. And we're going to have to find a way again to score the first goal at times and, uh, and then be in the game and maybe even uh, come from behind uh, to get wins. So uh, it's going to be a lot different. But I think, uh, the style of play is different than 19 uh, at times, which is good. It can be good. If you're down games, I feel like we have the firepower up front, the depth to uh, maybe take over games and, and come back. And uh, at the same time, we showed uh, some similar stuff as well. David, the Avalanche haven't played since May 9th after they swept the Nashville Predators. We talk a lot here in the media about the pros and cons of taking care of business early. You get rest, you get to get a little healthier, but you might lose a bit of that sharpness. As a player, what would you prefer, to to take care of business early and get that extra rest or maybe do it in six or seven games and hopefully maintain that momentum and sharpness? Yeah, well, I think each uh, situation can be different just depending on injuries, all that stuff. Uh, I mean, we got we got a lot of days ourselves uh, just waiting for a schedule. Like I, I literally found out this morning when I got up uh, that we were flying because there was still a scenario that we could play Wednesday. Uh, if both the Stars and the Mavericks uh, were going to win, we would start Wednesday. So anyway, that's uh, that's the plan right now, and uh, we expect Colorado to be really sharp. And I get what you're saying. Uh, it's gone both ways on teams uh, many times, and. Um, if they find a way to win, everyone's going to say they stayed sharp. If, if we beat them, they're going to maybe say they uh, sat around too much. David Perron with us on 101 ESPN. David, you win that game last week against Minnesota, game three, I believe it was. With uh, with you were down four defensemen, and you had guys fill in. And obviously during the season, your team showed a lot of depth. How much confidence does that give a, a team when you can deal with injuries, you can deal with people not playing, but still have guys that'll fill in and allow you to be able to win in playoff games? Yeah. Um, it wasn't easy, that's for sure. Uh, I think everyone, uh, including the forwards, had to take on uh, a lot more a lot more minutes, uh, making sure that we play right way even more. And I thought the guys that came in that did a really good job, like... Uh, Rosen and Mikola and a guy like Scotty hasn't played in, I don't know, like three, four months. And I know he had limited minutes, but he was pretty sharp on the power play. And that was key to putting uh, the wild away on the, on the last game, game six. We had a couple power play goals and he helped uh, stabilize kind of the unit. Uh, we have a similar uh, player in Tory Krug that can move the puck extremely well. He's one of the top players in the league on the power play. And uh, so we needed Scotty to come in and then do the job and he did. 
Speaking of confidence, David, I got to ask you about Jordan Bennington. He gets the call. He steps in there. He looks like the Jordan Bennington that we have come to expect in the playoffs, the 2019 version of Jordan Bennington. When you see him being that guy, especially in the playoffs, it has to bring energy and confidence to your team, right? Yeah, it does. And to himself, hopefully. And again, uh, between each series, it's you have to find a way to redo it. There's a lot of times there's different heroes uh, that will find a way if you're going to win the series. Uh, you need uh, your whole team to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, I think we had uh, pretty much our whole team uh, playing really well in the first round. But there's always guys that find a way to be a hero. Like we saw, we've seen in the other series, a guy like um, uh, last night uh, with uh, Dallas, uh, Goodrow scoring a big goal, Matthew Kachuk uh, scoring his first goal uh, to uh, scoring his first goal of the of the series. So there's always guys stepping at the right time, and we expect the same for our team in the second round. David, I was going to ask you how much attention you're paying to the other series. Obviously, you're you're paying some. Are you locked into those games? Uh, just more uh, more highlights. Uh, the kids running around all weekend. <laughs> uh, it was our daughter daughter's birthday, so we were pretty busy. But obviously, you keep tabs on the score and uh, who's who's hot. So you still there, David? I'm here, yeah. Oh, yeah, we we got you. Okay, good. Uh, So your daughter's birthday, what did you guys do? What kind of party did you have for her? Just uh, with her school, uh, friends from school on Saturday, and then yesterday a couple of guys came over and uh, just kind of just a relaxing setting, uh, just a little something for for Victoria. uh, We weren't expecting to be around. We thought maybe we would have started uh, the series month and maybe not been around as much. So I'm, I'm fortunate for that, and I got to spend some uh, some really good time with her. That's amazing that you got to be there for her birthday, Dave. Now, you mentioned some guys came over. Of your teammates, who's the guy that all the kids like? You know, there's always one guy where people are climbing on him, like a, the kids are climbing on him like a jungle gym, or they get really excited to see him. Who's that guy on your team? Um, I think Shannon would be up there for sure, just because the fact that, all the kids uh, in warm-ups that are in the corner there, when they, there's, it's an earlier game, it's not like an 8.45 puck drop, but when the kids come to a game in the afternoon, whatever, it seems like Shenner kind of gravitates around that corner, gives them looks, uh, funny faces, gives them bucks, things like that. So I, I know that my son's really comfortable with him for sure. Um, I don't know, like uh, everyone seems to like Pareko no matter who you are. Uh, he's, he's just the nicest guy. I think the kids like him as well. Yeah, I would say those two for sure. Awesome. Well, back to this series versus Colorado, David. They beat the Blues in four games in the first round of last year's playoffs. You you were unable to play in that series because of the positive COVID test. And you and your team, you're going to be motivated regardless of opponent. But are you happy that you and your team get the another chance at the Avs in the playoffs after what happened last year? Yeah, I think everyone's excited about it. I think we've gotten better over the summer. We've uh, obviously Army's made some moves that made our team better. Uh a little bit deeper offensively, but I also think they made some some really good moves uh, with Kemper as uh, an extremely good goalie. Uh, their trade deadlines with Manson, uh, Cogliano, uh, Lekkonen, I think, came in, and they've played some solid hockey already for them. So we expect a tough matchup, obviously. We we know we uh, the media and everyone's probably going to pick the Avs' uh, 90 95% chances to win the, the series, but for us, it's about focusing on trying to win the first game, steal a game there in Colorado and kind of start it off like we did against Minnesota.
David, do you like being the underdog? Because everyone picked Minnesota basically to win the first round. And now, as you mentioned, it seems like Colorado is a heavy favorite nationally. Do you guys put a lot of stock in that? Do you like being the underdog? Yeah, we were slightly underdog in the first round. I'm sure we're a little bit more underdog this one. Um, again, I, I don't mind starting on the road of a playoff series. Like, those guys have to sit around another, basically another day and a half right now because I'm, I'm in my car driving to a practice right now, but uh, I'm already in, in the mode that we're going to start the playoffs, basically the second round, versus those guys are still kind of uh, just waiting around and uh, waiting till puck drop, basically tomorrow night to, to kind of get in that mode. So I'm sure... It's a little bit different, and I think uh, it was key to our success starting on the road uh, last round. We got the win in Game 1, and we want to do that again. And you scored three goals. You had a hat trick in Game 1. Is Game 1 a little bit different? Obviously, everybody's jazzed. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's motivated for the playoffs. But do you make an effort to be even a little bit more focused for Game 1 because of the importance of the game? Well, yeah. I mean, you want to win every game, uh, but I think for a, when you start on the road, you want to find a way to win one of the two. And uh, it's funny because we win that one, then we come back, we lose two in a row, and all of a sudden a huge momentum swing. And, uh, I mean, you never know. We have a lot of injuries. Uh, if they won game four, they probably win the series. Who knows? And then same thing in game five. It's tied 2-2, and Vladi finds a way to, at game five, to, to score a big goal early in the third. Kind of gave us uh, some life, gave, gave us some momentum. Again, we find a way to win. So that's, that's playoff. There's always huge uh, momentum momentum swing no matter what happens and we got to be ready for all scenarios we we might go there and lose uh, game one and we got to find a way to win game two or the other way around so uh, definitely want to be ready for game one though david we're looking forward to this second round against colorado thanks so much for the time good luck and we will see you when you guys get back home sounds good thanks guys nice talking to you good, to, good talking to you too thank you that is david perron blues and avalanche tomorrow game one here on 101 espn he's right it'll go either way as far as the rest is concerned for colorado if they come out sharp take game one people will say they they were rested they were able mm-hmm. to get healthy and if the blues handle business and take care of colorado in game one people will say well they've been sitting around since may 9th mm-hmm. they, they're not sharp this is what they lost momentum this is what you have to expect and i hadn't even thought about the idea of the Stars winning because obviously the Mavericks are playing as well. Yeah. And so we could have had a Tuesday for game one. Fortunately, it is, or Wednesday for game one. Fortunately, it is Tuesday. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to head to New York, the Cards and Mets tonight. Danny Mack will join us from NYC next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Cards and Mets tonight in New York at City Field. And Danny Mack joins us from New York City this morning. Cardinals got in late and Dan kind enough to get up early and join us on Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you? Everything's good. And that was a good win last night. That was fun. Everything about that game last night was fun. Really was. I mean, you know, they need to, to win series at home. That's most important. They were able to do that. And then just the historical significance of, of many of the milestones for Yachty and for Albert and for Wayno, it's uh, it's going to be like that all year long. Dan, you've seen a lot of things in your career. I bet you didn't think that you'd ever see Albert Pujols as a pitcher. So what did you think of Albert on the mound? Uh, I needed to see the claw come out after the, uh, <laughs> the, the home run. And, uh, you know, but uh, he had to get settled in. You know, I, I understand that. But, no, it was great. Um 
I guess it's uh, what two members of the 600 home run club have uh, pitched and, and got 600 home runs and he's one of them. So no, I, I thought it was cool. And the guy's got a kick out of it. And uh, we were on the plane last night and somebody grabbed the, uh, the microphone and said, you know, uh, by the way, guys, Albert will be down tomorrow. He will not be able to pitch. So um, yeah, now you can check that one off the, the list of, of, of the things that Albert has done. So it was great. And, uh, and now the the scene shifts here to New York, and um, and it's gonna you know I, I really think the intensity of these next four days could be pretty high, but uh, we'll see. Starting tonight, it should be fun. I want to stick with Albert for a second, Dan. You've covered him for a long time. You're down with the club every day, so you get to see things that we don't. But it just seems like more than at any other point in his career, he has an ease and a contentment about him that we've never really seen. He just seems to be having so much fun, and that seems to be permeating throughout the clubhouse. I think that it, it's for him and for, for Yachty. Um, I, I really think that these two guys are just, you know, enjoying each other and understanding that this is their final year. And why not make it fun? Why not have a lot of fun with it? You know, I, I think we as, as fans, when we watch these guys, we, we don't understand the pressure many times that they put themselves in. Now, when I say that, don't don't take that the wrong way. I, I mean, I, the, hey, they – they make a hell of a living. They make a lot of money, and you know that's that's part of the deal. But they're still human beings, and the self pressure that they put on each other or themselves is there. So they're intense, and so now that you're in your final year, you've made your money, you're getting all these milestones. You know what? It's time to kind of you know still play with intensity, but it, you know enjoy it and enjoy the ride. And I think these two guys are doing it. Hey, Dan, the Cardinals are in the midst of a pretty difficult part of the schedule. The, the games against the Giants, now you've got the Mets, and then after Pittsburgh, it's Toronto, Milwaukee, and the Padres. Before you play the Cubs, that's through Memorial Day. What would you like to see out of the Cardinals from the rest of this month? Well, the, many of those games, Randy, are at home. So, you know, I'd like to see winning series at home and 500 on the road. And I think if you could do that, then, you know what, you're, you're going to have a winning ball club. Um and that's that's honestly, you know, no matter who you're playing, I think that's the way you have to approach it until you're in desperation mode in, in August and September and you got to win games to either win the, the division or, you know, get that final playoff spot. But, man, you, you got to win games at home. That Baltimore series, I hope it doesn't come back to haunt them, but that's, that's one that sticks out that, you know, they just didn't hit for game one, game three. They did hit in game two. We'll see what happens tonight. I mean, like they explode last night for runs, and who knows what the you know what, what's going to happen with the offense tonight? They got Trevor Williams is scheduled to go, the former Pirate for the Mets. But to answer your question, I think you got to win series at home, and if you play 500 on the road, then you'll be all right. Speaking of the offense, Dan, as you mentioned, they exploded last night, but it's been a bit of feast or famine to this point this season. Do you think the offense is turning a corner, uh, and that we might see more consistency out of this offense? Just what are you seeing in general? I don't know if they're turning a corner. I mean, I, I think, you know, last night certainly helps uh, statistically. Um, but, again, you know, this is, you know, like the Baltimore series. The game game two, you had ten runs, and then games one and three, you didn't score. I mean, you did, but it wasn't much. So I, I can't put my finger on it. I, I do know this, that when I watch Brendan Donovan, when I watch Juan Yepes, I'm seeing young kids that have come up here and made a difference. Um, I think Albert, when he plays at home, 
And Yachty, when he plays at home, there I, I like that. I think it's a smart move if you can get them in, especially with the lefty with with Albert. Um, but they've got to get production from the left field spot and the right field spot. Now, I think Dillard has really picked it up. I think he's going to be fine. But a real key in this whole thing is getting Tyler O'Neill uh, back and and back to the the player that he was at uh, at the end of last year. And if that happens, then watch out because you know what you're going to get in Arnado Goldie for the most part, Tommy Edmond. But a real key there is, is Tyler O'Neill and can he get back to where he was a year ago? Hey, Dan, it's been a few years since you've had the opportunity to get to New York City for a Cardinals-Mets series. What do you like to do in New York? Walk. <laughs> you do I, a lot I of just, that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just take it all in, man. I go all over the place. I, I love it. It's, uh, it's a neat city. I know, Michelle, you're up here all the time, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Since the pandemic hit, I've heard that people have told me that uh, it's not as quite the hustle and bustle that it once was pre-pandemic. But still, I mean, it's unique. Obviously, it's New York City, but I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and seeing what the world has to offer. Uh, well, I know you love to walk, Dan, and that's the best city to do it. Um, one more yeah. thing about the game last night. You mentioned the uh, the historical moment for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina now having more wins than any other battery in Major League Baseball history. An incredible feat for the two of them. Do you think that record will ever be broken? Never. I don't see it happening, and, and it's um, the same thing with, with Yadi and um, and Waino when they approach the, the starts as battery mates. I don't think it ever happens. I, I just think that for many reasons, one, health, two, the money in the game, that the motivation for guys to play that long just isn't there. And if it is there, they're going to find the money somewhere else with a different team. One guy may stay, one guy may may go, but uh, you're just not going to see it ever again. I I think it'll be a record that'll never, ever be broken, which is amazing. It really is. Daniel, we'll be tuned in tonight. Cards and Mets on Ballet Sports. Thanks so much for the time this morning, and we will talk to you soon. Okay, guys, thanks. Catch up next Monday. You bet. See you later. Dan McLaughlin with us on 101 ESPN. The 1964 Cardinals were one of the great stories in Cardinal history, and Ron Jacober has a new book out about that team. He is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And our friend Ron Jacober has a new book out. It's called 64 Cardinals, a team, a season, and a showdown for the ages. And it's a great book as we approach Father's Day, less than a month away. It's a great book to get for your dad if he's a Cardinal fan. Ron Jacober, good to see you. How are you doing? Thank you, Randy. Good to see you, too. It's been a long time. It has. Congratulations. Yeah, right. yeah, we did the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame event a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I remember Jack Buck always telling me about that 64 season, and there's so much that went into it. He said the fact, taking nothing away from Stan Musial, but he said the fact that they won the year after Stan Musial retired wasn't a coincidence. Oh, absolutely not. Stan was not interested in being a general manager, to tell you the truth. I think he was kind of pushed into that because of of his name. But Bing Devine took over as general manager. There was so much happened that year. Uh, off the field as well as on, it makes the 64 season interesting, and that's why the book, it's one of 11 world championships, but so much happened. Uh, 
off the field, on the field, uh, with the black players, the things they went through, the Lou Brock trade, mm-hmm. and you know the general manager made the Lou Brock trade. Bing Devine gets fired <laughs> a few weeks later by Gussie Bush, who had no patience. Uh, he didn't know much about baseball, but he understood failure, and he thought this team was failing. Uh, he snuck. He had Harry Carey sneak Leo DeRocher into St. Louis and secretly go to Grant's farm because he was going to name Leo the next manager because he was going to fire Johnny Keene, also the manager. Well, he couldn't fire Keene because they wound up winning. He offered Keene a new contract at the end of the season, and and Keene said, let's wait until after the World Series. So after the World Series, they had this news conference to announce a new contract for Johnny Keene, and Keene handed Gussie his resignation. Wow. He quit. He decided in September he was going to quit. Mm-hmm. Wound up six days later with the Yankees. So, so much happened that year that makes this a fascinating season. Mm-hmm. You're right, Ron. There's so much that happened on the field and off. What's your favorite story that you learned about the 64 team while working on this book? That's a good question. <laughs> there was There were a lot of things. Uh, sadly, I learned what a lot of the black players went through. Uh, Bob Gibson told me a story that when he showed up in his rookie season, he went to the team hotel, and the desk clerk said, no, you can't stay here. And he had to go to the what they called the Negro side of St. Petersburg. Uh, they, the Chamber of Commerce at St. Petersburg used to have a big luncheon every spring because the Cardinals and the Yankees both trained there. Baseball is back, but they only invited the white players. Mm. And Bill White made a comment to one of the St. Louis sports writers, when are they going to start treating us like human beings? That wound up in the paper, and uh, the Globe suggested that people boycott Budweiser. Well, I don't know what Gussie Bush's feelings about race were, but he knew he had a problem if that happened. So he mm-hmm. convinced a, fr- a friend of his to buy a big motel in St. Petersburg so the black players and the white players could stay in the same place. And Bill White told me, he said, people would drive past this this complex, this motel, and see something they had never seen before, black kids and white kids in the same swimming pool. So it was things like that, that, away from the actual games, that I was kind of fascinated with. And this was kind of a coming out party that season. Gibby had pitched well in 1963, but he's fantastic in 64, and then they go to the World Series. For people like Gibson, McCarver, Ray Sadecki, Julian Javier, it was their first opportunity to win. No question. And Gibson wasn't very good the first part of that 64 season, but he came along, and and he had to pitch in relief on Sunday. It came down to the very last week weekend of the season. And they played the lowly Mets. The Mets were in last place. And you win in pennant in those days, you go right to the World Series. There's no other playoffs. So they played. There could have been a three-way tie the last weekend of the season between the Cardinals, the Phillies, and the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, so the Cardinals had to win a game or two. The Mets come to town, beat Bob Gibson on Friday night, one nothing. Then they hammered the Cardinals like 15-2 to two on Saturday. So it came down to the last day of the season. Cardinals had to win it, and they did. Gibson came in on two days rest and pitched in relief. I mean, uh, he was yeah, he was the key there. But the, the thing that made him go, the spark, was Lou Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they made the trade for Brock, he just turned things around. He he energized that team. Something incredible. And the initial reaction to that trade was not positive, oh my, was it? Oh, my God, no. Oh, my God. I had a friend in Chicago call me and say, oh, my God, did we get you this time? We got your best pitcher, and you got this kid. We're not sure he can play. Well, Ernie Brolio won seven games in three years after that. Wow. Seven games in three years, and Brock goes to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was ESPN, I understand, Someplace along the line, said that was the worst trade, the worst in-season trade in the history of baseball, the worst in 
The in-season trade in the history of the game, from a Cubs point of view, but it was the worst. They say the worst trade ever in terms of balance. Yeah, ended up pretty lopsided for oh. the for the Cubs there. Well, so much intrigue and excitement on the field, but the drama off the field is something I'm really looking yeah. forward to diving into in this book. Uh, the owner Gussie Bush, Branch Branch Ricky as a special consultant. Right. How did the off-field drama play into this book? Oh, very much so. In fact, I think that that makes the book important. That makes the book interesting. As I said. It's one of 11 world championships, and you could go back to all 11 world championships and probably do a book. But the stuff off the field is what made this fascinating for us because of Gussie. Gussie, I don't think he knew much about baseball. He knew about failure, as I said, and and he was just very impatient. He he think he thought that they should be winning more, and they're not winning. And but then his down the stretch, his play. Harry Carey's call on the last game of the season where the Cardinals won the pennant. Gussie is sitting next to Harry. He's doing the play-by-play <laughs> from right behind the Cardinal dugout. And I hear the audio a lot. Gussie can come on, Barney, get him out, get him out. <laughs> and then Harry goes on the field for the mo- most remarkable post-game <laughs> interviews or performance I've ever seen. Is he's going crazy, going wild. But Bush's involvement with it made it fascinating, too, because he wanted to win but really didn't know how, but he thought he did. The, the media then is so different than the oh. media now, and I always think when I see teams like this with all of this intrigue on and off the field, what it would be like if they played in today's era with social media and yeah. the 24th seven media coverage people would have been obsessed with this yeah. team <laughs> all of that stuff most of that stuff was never reported mm-hmm. by the by the sport the sports writers and bob burns and bob brig especially used to tell me this the sports writers knew their place if they were on the teams traveled by train a lot in those days and uh when brig was covering for the post dispatch and he said if we saw a player drunk on the on the train, we would we never report it. We saw him messing around. We would never report it. Well, today, obviously, with social media, you couldn't get away with any of that. And some of the stuff that uh, Bob Euchre did, even on the field, like uh, with, with the stealing the, the trombone or the, the tuba, tuba, the tuba, tuba yeah. yeah. There was a pregame. Well, Euchre told some funny stories. He said the Cardinals asked me for a favor. They asked me to take a shot of hepatitis before the <laughs> before the World Series so they could disable me and put Dal Maxville on the <laughs> roster. And Maxie played a major part of that, by the way. So they had a marching band before they before one of the games, and, and Euchre grabbed the tuba and, and tried to catch fly balls in it. And he told me one time, it cost me 300 bucks, I think, to fix the tuba. I didn't catch them very clean. <laughs> <laughs> and, Ron, you, you mentioned the, the last weekend, and 11 was kind of reminiscent, the way the Cardinals came back in 11 no, no of 64. For yeah. people that weren't around for 64, what are some of the, the comparisons between those two? Well, they had to win it late, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and and down the stretch. it was Cardinals were 11 games out in 64 with 39 to play and came back and won it. And 11 was, was somewhat similar. They had to win the big games, and they did. Uh, but in 11, at least it didn't come down to the last day of the season. Mm-hmm. But... But, uh, yeah, I think there was a lot of similarity there. There is a, a great story that I'm going to, and I don't know if you have it in the book. The name of the book is The 64 Cardinals, A Team, Season, and Showdown for the Ages by Ron Jacober with Robert Team. And, by the way, you've got an event tomorrow night at... Uh, St. Louis County right. Library, yeah, the uh, Grants View branch. I haven't been there, but it's a brand-new county library branch. And we'll, be a, we'll do a PowerPoint presentation and then... And uh, signed some books. So Lou Brock told a story about when he got traded. And at that time, baseball didn't provide relocation fees for players to move to a new city. He had a lease. He wasn't making a ton of money, a young player. He had a lease on a spot 
in an apartment in Chicago. So when the Cardinals were home, he would commute from St. Louis to Chicago back and forth. He averaging 95 miles an hour in his Buick. One time he got pulled over in Springfield going 95, and the police officer said, why are you driving so fast? He said, well, i got to get to the game. He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I play for the Cardinals. Fortunately for Lou, the police officer was a, a Cardinal fan, but he was literally driving back and forth from Chicago every day the Cardinals were home oh, because no, no. he didn't have money to pay for an apartment here. Yeah, I love Lou. He was some great stories with Lou, and I got to know him really well. I did two or three television specials on him when I was at Channel 5, and, and he was so accommodating and such a pleasant man. And, and uh, you know, I, I've heard stories of people that took their kids to spring training, and he, he was just wonderful with, with fans. Yeah, he was to- totally opposite personality than Bob Gibson. He really was. Oh, mm-hmm. Gibby was. <laughs> I told you. Bob, one time I said, Gibby, you got to smile once in a while. No, I don't have to smile. You know? <laughs> uh, but he mellowed. He mellowed. Yeah. I, he used to do the postgame show with me after Cardinal Baseball for a couple of years. And, and I said, you, you're, you're mellowed. You're actually, what do you mean? I said, you're actually signing autographs. Okay. Because oh. <laughs> when he was playing, he didn't want any part of that sure. stuff. You know? yeah, he, was, he was a big teddy bear. Yeah. Any Cardinal fan will love the book, 64 Cardinals by Ron Jacober. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It's a great piece of art by you with your writing and the, the visually it's really appealing as well the pic- pictures are great we recommend it to everybody I appreciate that very much I think it'll be a great Father's Day present yeah, definitely Ron good to see you thanks so much for the time by the way I want to tell you the Heat Randy did a great job at St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame with the interview so we really appreciate that awesome. thank you yeah, the, the, love those guys and Danny Cox one of my all time favorites we kind of came up together in 83 yeah. mm-hmm. and then uh, O.J. Anderson and uh, Mark Burley were all fa- and hello to Mark Burley he listens every day so uh, yeah it was great to talk to those Guys. It really was. Thanks, Ron. Take care. Thank you. Ron Jacober with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, big doings with the Ascension Charity Classic. We're going to talk to Nick Ragone about those next as we head down the stretch on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Ascension Charity Classic is back for its second year, September 6th through 11th. You can go to ascensioncharityclassic.com for more information and tickets and sponsorship opportunities and uh, skyboxes and things like that. Nick Ragone from the Classic joins us now on Carriker and Smallman. And Nick, I know that uh, last week was a big week. You get more superstar involvement that's coming to the Classic next uh, next fall. Yeah, we're uh, thanks for having me on. I hope we have this type of weather today, the no week doubt. of the classic. You know, last year the weather was amazing, and hoping for again. But a uh, couple big announcements last week. Uh, you know, Justin Leonard uh, turns fifty in June. He's uh, probably the biggest name in the quote unquote rookie class for this year, or the Champions Tour. And so we announced last week that not only is he going to be a brand ambassador for Ascension, and if you saw him playing at the Byron Nelson, he had our logo on his sleeve, but he'll also, he's also committed to playing in the field. So uh, we're going to have the former Open champion and, of course, Ryder Cup hero at, at Brookline in 99, where they're playing the U.S. Open again this year. So we're very excited to have Justin in the field. You know, David Duvall has turned 50 as well, and he's indicated he'll be playing. So the field is already shaping up and we're months away. And then the other big news is, you know, last year we had our Legends Challenge, which was a huge, huge uh, fan uh, success. And we had Nicholas and Watson and Bruby and Ozzy. And so this year we're having a Legends Challenge Part 2, but instead of two-on-two, two, it's going to be three-on-three. Three. And so we have Ozzy and Coach Berube coming back, which we're super excited about. And then um, Nancy Lopez, one of the great ambassadors in the history of golf, is going to be one of the legends. Lee Trevino, who is one of the all-time 
uh, great ambassadors for the game and just really uh, an entertainer is going to be there. And then Hale Irwin will be uh, one of our legends. And then we have a fourth legend, TBD. I can't announce it quite yet, but he's a, a huge name, not in the golf world, but a huge name in the sports world, a kind of sports legend icon. And so we're hoping to announce that in a few weeks. But we're really excited about this year's Legends matchup. Ooh, there's some intrigue there, Nick. We'll have to have you on again when you can announce who that fourth person will be. Well, uh, after the great success that you had at the Ascension Charity Classic last year, when you approach people like Justin Leonard or Lee Trevino or Nancy Lopez to be a part of this event, what's their interest level after they saw what you guys were able to do? Well, the truth is, uh, I will say a lot of people have been approaching us, players, legends, and others that want to be a part of it. The word of mouth and buzz, uh, and it starts with the players. They had such a great experience in the Jim Furyk's and Ernie Els is our champion, David Toms. The golf coverage channel was just extraordinary. The media, the fan, they, they want to be in front of big crowds. And so when we started thinking about year two, you know, we had people reaching out to us who loved what they saw, they loved what they heard and said that we want to be a part of this. And I could tell you with Lee and Nancy in particular, and what I was really moved by is both of them said that they wanted to also be engaged somehow on our APGA tournament the same week at Glen Echo. You know, we announced uh, a partnership with the APGA Tour, which is an African-American developmental tour that's really starting to gain some momentum. We're going to be doing a two-day tournament at Glen Echo the same week. It's part of the Charity Classic umbrella and our commitment to diversity and inclusiveness in golf. And so Lee and Nancy, both great ambassadors for the game, said, you know, what, what they reached out to us and said is we really like what you're doing with that. And I will tell you, I can't get into details yet, but we're going to have a big announcement around our APGA tournament and, uh, and a potential partnership with the PGA Tour on that. And I, I can't say much more than that, but I'm really excited about how that's shaping up. Nick, 113 days to go, and people can still get involved by going to ascensioncharityclassic.com. Thanks so much for the info today. Always great to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. And by the way, thanks for bringing home that Blues victory last week. Bring home another for us against Colorado, would you please? Yeah, it was my lucky sweater. It's 5-0, and oh, so I'm going to have to. I told my wife, no washing it. Got to wear it again. <laughs> there you go. Take care. Have a great day, Nick. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Nick Rigon with us on 101 ESPN. So Justin Leonard, Nancy Lopez making their way into the Legends Classic uh, next fall. And it's going to be September 6th through 11th over at Norwood. Michelle, the fast lane is set to square off against uh, the Rizzuto Show from 105.7 The Point at this year's Softball Home Run Derby, hosted by the O'Fallon Hoots on Saturday, June 4th at Car Shield Field in O'Fallon Mo, And brought to you by Mattress Direct, there's going to be a fast pitch home run derby that same night featuring Rick Ankeel, Ray Lang, for Daniel Descalso and Rafael Fercal. And then the Fastlane guys get to try to hit home runs and try to avenge their defeat at the hands of the Riz Show last year. General admission tickets on sale now for just 15 bucks. Get all the details on this year's O'Fallon Hoots Home Run Derby now at 101ESPN.com. Do you think they're training for this? They better be. Uh, I thought last year was kind of an embarrassment. For... No, we are the sports station. Exactly. And you've got a station. former Major League Baseball player. That's right. Who hit a hit, had a hit. Ten hits at the major league level. I don't think it was his fault. I don't think so either. Anthony Stalter also can rake. I was there. Okay, I was very so impressed by Stalter. Jamie wasn't there last year, which I okay, think was a detriment to them. I think it's going. Okay. He will be the X factor this year that will propel the fast lane to victory. I heard the BK and Ferrario just went crazy hitting the ball out of the yard last year. Who told you that? BK and Ferrario. Oh. Hmm. No, not exactly.
Revisionist uh, history. Uh, I think BK may have actually <laughs> retired. And, <laughs> hey, they did better than he I He retired on air. And you should also know that when the Blues come home for Game 3, Saturday, 101 ESPN will be there. If you've got tickets and headed to Enterprise Center for either Game 3 on Saturday or Game 4 on Monday, make sure to get there early and enjoy the Bud Light Happy Hour pregame party in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden. Starts two hours prior to puck drop. Enjoy live music, food, and drink specials. And stop by the 101 ESPN table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. Cardinals will take on Trevor Williams and the uh, New York Mets tonight. And Michelle, we mentioned how difficult the schedule is, and I agree with Danny 100%. Two out of three at home, play 500 on the road, but now you got to make up for that loss that you had to Baltimore. So somewhere along the line, you're going to have to win two out of three mm-hmm. on the road against a team that you don't expect to. Yeah, as Dan said, he hopes that that series doesn't come back to bite them. Yeah, and it could. I mean, you, you, you should not be losing to the Reds. You should no. not be losing to the Pirates. At no. this stage, with the way the Cubs are going, should not be losing to them. You should win three out of four against those teams. And when you're playing the Orioles, you should win two out of three against them. The Reds are so terrible this year. They they could be a historically bad team. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals should not lose any games to the Reds for the remainder of the season. No, they're really, really bad. Really bad. Although, as we mentioned, six and Six wins and four losses in their last ten, so that's pretty impressive for the Reds. For the Reds. But not for everybody else. No, not for the Cardinals. Um, Tomorrow, uh, we're going to give you the chance to win a pair of tickets to the Smashing Pumpkins. We're going to give away two pairs tomorrow. I know that you love the Smashing Pumpkins, Randy. One of my favorite groups, the Spirits on Fire Tour with the Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are on sale now, and that's going to be November 1st at Enterprise Center. So can't wait for that. Uh, Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And, Michelle, this was fun. A good Monday. A good Monday. And you know what? Tomorrow is Blues game day. Oh, I'll I'll wear Blues gear tomorrow. I might even wear Stanley Cup Champions gear. I think I might have a shirt for you tomorrow. A special shirt. Okay. I'll I'll wear that, too. Stand by, because we may be getting a delivery from our friends at Arch Apparel. Can't wait. Uh, For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.